What's up, everyone? Welcome to Rising from the Motherfucking Ashes. I'm Danny Unaki Dan. Hello, Dan. I am Homie Romy. How are you? What's happening, homie? What's good in the hood? Oh, man. Just got back to Humboldt County. Uh, and unlike the highway um, that we were on yesterday, uh, it is clear blue skies. And I don't see any smoke. Oh, yeah. There's some. I heard some ripplings about thunder and lightning. Yeah, yeah. It started to rain yesterday. So we, we made our way through um, Ashland where we stayed a couple of days at this place called Lithia Springs. I don't know if anybody yeah. has ever been to Lithia Springs. Please go there. Okay. It's a mineral springs, like little like place. You get a, a, a soak tub in your room and it's like mineral sulfur water straight from the well, like right underneath the property. Highly recommend it, but it's also incredibly Ooh. fucking smoky. Yeah. So definitely, dude, it's so Sounds relaxing. Good. It's so relaxing. It's it's amazing. And then breakfast sandwiches in the morning, on for free. Well, you pay for it because you know the room costs money. I see. But it's breakfast. How about breakfast at Tiffany's? And I saw him there. I saw him at <laughs> Tiffany's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I said, "What about breakfast at Lithia Springs?" She said, "I think I." Smell of the sulfur, it's intoxicating my nose. I don't really like it. It's sulfur, it smells like rotten shitty eggs. <laughs> you ever been to Sulfur Spring? Dude. Man, that shit smells terrible. Yeah, it does smell bad. You're right. Uh, today we interviewed for the second time whilst Dan had COVID. You interviewed. And- and he was yeah, well, he was COVID. fighting for his life while thousands of people were at his side cheering him on day by day just nobody was at my side they were just there and they were just dad you got this shit you ain't got that and they were just yeah. and then they started nah. aching his house and they had pitchforks and fire and then they realized that they weren't actually cheering him on. They were encouraging his death and his passing. And like a phoenix, he rose from the ashes. What the and fuck? Transformed, <laughs> he transformed into the beautiful boy that you see before you today. And I'm back. And he's back at it. Uh, yeah, so we got John Hamer for round two. This is a Roman's solo audition. You heard mine last Friday. Friday. When I had to go solo because uh, Roman's uh, mic cut out and couldn't make internet connection where he was at. So uh, this is his uh, revenge, and he does it twice as long, too. <laughs> so this is a long one. It's about close to three hours. So, uh, Roman, uh, what did you guys talk about in the episode? Like, uh, what kind of stuff did you discuss? Oh, boy, oh, boy. So we broke down his entire book of the falsification of science. Um, and by broke down, I mean we literally went through each chapter and each bullet point of the chapter. Um, and so it's it's a great um, detailed overview of the book. You know, obviously, we get a little sidetracked and go on rants and 
Um, uh, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the alphabet organizations and the indoctrination and social engineering. And I, I learned a incredible amount of information. My favorite probably being um, that Aleister Crowley, L. Ron Hubbard and Walt Disney were just three of the five founding members of NASA, um, which is just astounding to me that these just alleged hmm. occultics <laughs> occultists are starting NASA and what and you know we deepen the further uh curiosity of the agenda of this of these of these organizations um, of the space of space in general huh yeah man and like you know it seems like why why would you need occultists starting space if wouldn't you need engineers and rocket scientists <laughs> Doesn't make sense unless they were forming space, creating space. Ooh, the space. Eh? Oh, okay. So the altering consciousness and the space, the figment of space, and the concept and the construct of the imagination being space. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Well, either way, it's always going <laughs> to be deep questions. Um, and we'll, we'll actually, we have some other guests coming up for you guys. We've got some real surprises. we got a lot of sweet shows coming up. And we'll be able to dig in some more oh, yeah. on the space stuff for you guys. Stoker, Stoker on that. It's going to be a lot of drip coming. There's, uh, we're going to be doing about two episodes a week this month. Uh, we'll see how that continues. We'll see if we can keep it up. But right now we got we got a lot planned coming down the pipeline. So stay tuned. Remember to like, subscribe, so you get the updates on the new shows. Check us out at RFTA Podcast, Podcast. on Instagram because we did change the name. It's not <laughs> the same anymore. So quit adding the Rising FT Ashes um, Instagram page because I don't go on there and I don't update it. I only update RFTA podcast. So check that one out. Um, we post new shows on there also. And hey, remember to uh, give some offerings, man. Uh, we haven't got any offerings yet. We're a little sad. <laughs> and uh, so we're yeah. trying to... Uh, do everything we can to show you how much we do care. And if you find value in our podcast, if it makes you happy, makes you think, if you learn something, you know, at least share it with friends, you know, help us get some more followers, write get something, some more tribal write, members and, uh, write what you learned. Just yeah, be like, Hey, I review. like, I enjoyed everything this. doesn't have to be, yeah, everything doesn't have to be about money, you know. Sometimes it's just about camaraderie and helping a brother out. So, please, Fri please, friggity facts, man. Do those things, and then uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to be on this episode. I haven't actually even heard it yet, so I'm actually looking really forward to listening to it also, and uh, see what they talk about in the falsification of science. Because one thing that I can agree on especially about flat earth, the whole flat earth paradigm and space is fake is that I don't think anybody went to the moon. So I'm a Ooh. no moon landing 
I wasn't at the very beginning of the show. You know, I said I think people did only because I like the aspect of of one of the astronauts saying there's people on the other side and they're looking at us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, I thought that was fucking cool. And uh, I kind of like that. But other than that, like I've seen some of these other videos of uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin lately. And he just uh, man, he. He I saw this pissed. one with him and Trump. He gets really and Trump was talking off. about how they're doing the Space Force stuff and everything, and it was just like a close-up of like his face and the and the facial expressions that he was making was like, yeah, we don't, we never went there. I, he was kind of biting his tongue from just screaming out like we never went there, and like making weird faces every time he mentioned like going to space and doing all this space stuff, and I was like, oh, that's so weird. You know, and then that one thing that he told that little girl at the school, you know, I would like to know why we haven't gone back to the moon either. Maybe because we've never gone. It's like, what the fuck? Like, so some of those things kind of trip me out and stuff. And and then the whole idea of technology and how far it's come and we can't go there. But yet we went there in 1969. But uh, and they could communicate with the astronauts. But I can't get a fucking good Zoom connection on a fucking interview. I you know, there's things that I, I just wonder about or, or you know, I can't get even a, a phone call in my house sometimes because I'm kind of in the middle of a bunch of trees. And it's like, how, how does that happen? But you can, you can fucking, E.T. can phone home, you know? I don't get well, it. Well, there's no trees in space, man. It's a clear, clear, clear connection. <laughs> how do you know, man? Man, I've been there, dude. How do you know? I no, was there. Like, Buzz and I, I rode on Buzz's if there's no If there's no space... If there's no space, then, uh, you know, what the fuck is there, you know? No, there's definitely space. If the flat earthers say, we just live in a, we just live in a dome, what's beyond the dome? Well, I, I mean, the dome exists. It's our atmosphere. <laughs> it's our, our ionosphere that, like, is created and is shrunken. As we know this, you know, the golden age had a larger um, ionosphere, and it's it's getting smaller. It's literally shrinking. And that's why the size of humans the and the moon has, in my, ah, yeah, the moon, in my opinion, you is, you know, hey, hey, we actually have to, uh, we have to wrap this up. We don't want this to go over so long. Yeah, we keep going. So keep going. Okay, here's here's like my that. here's my working theory. You guys have heard it if you listen to the show. Oh, oh no, we still got time. Sorry. Um, and and we'll also hey. keep keep digging this deeper, but. The theory of the Earth being at the Golden Age, um, you know, comes across in all of these different um, these theologies and these platforms of knowledge of ancient ancestral knowledge that there was a Golden Age, and yeah. after every Ragnarok is a Golden Age period, and you know, um, with the Earth having a bigger equatorial zone, um, there being more. Um, you know, energy flowing through plasma energy flowing through. It was a perfect place to harvest minerals and harvest energy and, and to throw the moon in to our orbit to just, it's almost like to kick a ball, you know, close to, um, you know, close to the net and it's, it's right there. And then now, Oh, that metal ball basically kind of threw us off a little bit. It's has metal qualities, which therefore is throwing off our electromagnetic um, 
spin in our axis. And so I think the moon is put here to keep kind of fucking with earth's uh, magnetic poles, magnetic frequencies. So it's like, um, maybe Hmm. that's, and, 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 you know, understanding that I, I, I still obviously, I don't know why it's obvious, but sometimes I just say that word, you know, I say seemingly and obviously sometimes when <laughs> they make no sense to say them in, in sentences, yeah. trying to sound smart. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I vibe with the Anunnaki paradigm and like that we were kind of like genetically hybrid from humanoids that were here before and the Nephilim and... Um, you know, we have that, we have the, the different ulterior consciousnesses, which are downloadable from these, uh, you know, magnetic, uh, frequencies, these, these, these frequencies that exist, which are like, you know, the, the dimensions, right. The multiple dimensions. And so, you know, I, I, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, like that's kind of where I, I, I am, have been led lately through all of our, you know, research and doing the talks on the show and, and, you know, we're all just figuring this all out, you know, together. And so it's like, you know, if you guys have any concerns or comments on that, please, please hit us up on telegram and our telegram chat so we can talk more about it because we're just trying to, you know, get back to yeah. the things that we all knew once as humans, we knew these things, but through social engineering, we've been stripped away from our true human information and, and our, and our true ancestry and, and history. Yeah, man. You know, they shot that missile at the moon, too, and they say it rang like a bell. And uh, that trips me out, too, because if space is fake, then how did they shoot the moon? Where the fuck's the moon at? I know a lot of people say it's within our atmosphere. I seen somebody post a video the other day. They think the moon is fucking in Antarctica. I don't know what the fuck that's about. That's flat. That is but, uh, flat Earth as fuck. I mean, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like it's stuck in the ice, and how, how the fuck do we see it then? I don't get it. That's the uh, most flat Earth thing I've ever maybe heard. It's, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really understand myself. There's a lot of things I don't understand about the whole flat Earth paradigm thing. I mean, I get, I get what they mean, and like, you know, everybody's trying to hide shit, but uh, also like. I don't know that you could go the simulation route with the flat earth paradigm too and just say, well, it's whatever you fucking want it to be because we live in a simulation anyway. So uh, we are just consciously creating our own reality anyhow. So if you want to believe that you live inside of a butterfly, you you could live inside of a fucking butterfly and probably find facts to back that up too. so anyways well this is a long one with uh john hamer so i hope you guys enjoy it wake up wake up wake up you're listening to rising from the ashes you're listening to rising from the ashes of 
history and his newest book, The Fabrication of Science Says It Best in School. We put in the time, and by the end of it all, we'll never question what we learn, and we leave not knowing how to learn. and welcome to Rising from the Ashes. I love you, Fire Tribers, so much. Seeking the truth and the knowledge of the world as it continuously gets suppressed from our souls. Wow. Um, Today we have an amazing human on who has done great work in the world, deep research. He has written many a books. In our previous episode, we talked to him about the Titanic books, uh, Titanic's Last Secret, Behind the Curtain. He's got the JFK, the Olympic, um, and my two favorites, um, and I'm sorry to pick favorites, sir, but The Falsification of History and The Falsification of Science. Super deep books. John Hamer, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Dude, uh, absolutely absolutely we really appreciate it the time difference you know you're over in the uk we're over here on the west coast but we make it work absolutely <laughs> I mean, it's not so too bad actually it's, it's only 6 p.m for me now so it's oh beautiful it's beautiful uh, you know, <laughs> what's um and you know i hate to do this but i'm gonna ask what's the weather like for you guys over there right now how's it been your summer well it's not been too bad, you know, what English summers are like, I guess. But, you know, uh, it's been a pretty decent summer. But today is absolutely awful. It's about 58 degrees. It's wet, miserable, Ooh. cloudy, and damp. Do you, wow. Uh, do, you, do you experience much weather modification or geoengineering over there? Yeah, all the time. The whole yeah. country is covered in chemtrails and... Is it really? Yeah, absolutely. You know, even the even the more rural areas get it, you know, so yeah. Interesting. Well, that's going to Okay, so 
So your book, The Falsification of Science, um, you have done quite a few other podcasts about the book. So I kind of want to, um, you know, like I, I, I noticed that there wasn't really a chapter breakdown or an overview overlay of the book. Each chapter, there's 11 chapters, incredibly detailed. Your writing style is really great for someone like me who has to really focus on reading because I'm such an observatory uh, learner. Your sense of humor in the book is really nice, um, coming with that qualm sense of like genuinity, uh, which is a word I literally just made up on the on the fly. Genuinity. Ah, I think we know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's really nice, and um, Thank you. and you know, starting off the book, it's hard to even get through uh, uh, three pages without just docking down massive amounts of notes because you're hitting so many things right on the head, especially yeah. within the um the the world that we live in here yeah. in our. I, I guess we're we're actually classified as pseudo scientific podcast and information alternative media which i think is rather derogatory of a term pseudo but you know we'll take it <laughs> so i wanted to ask you just some warm-up questions what do you think if any that cern nasa and harp have in common I mean, I, a one-word answer really satanism i believe <laughs> I believe that they're all, you know, NASA was founded by five Satanists. It was founded by a guy called Jack Whiteside Parsons, um, who also founded the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. It was founded by, also founded by a guy called L. Ron Hubbard, who was the founder <laughs> of Scientology. Uh, Walt Disney, believe it or not. Werner mm -hmm. von Braun and mm -hmm. a guy called Alistair Crowley, who was known as the wickedest man in the world. And there was... Is the most famous Satanist that ever lived. And that, this is what NASA is all about. And CERN, it, it, it's, I have not looked into it that deeply, CERN, but I, I, I do know that it, their pur purposes are very, very nefarious indeed. And some of the stuff that they're trying to do just absolutely beggars belief. I mean, it, it's crazy. I, I mean, that's, a, that's the very mild way of putting it. Some of the stuff that they're doing is just so dangerous. A lot of people believe, I'm not saying that I do, but a lot of people believe that, that what they're doing is they're actually allowing demons, demonic entities mm -hmm. into our dimension. Um, I'm not sure I believe that, but it's it's certainly a possibility knowing that the way these people work. And even if they're not doing, they may actually believe that they are themselves, you know, even if we don't believe that. so They're at least <clears throat> putting the intention out there. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I would say... The one word answer, I know, I know it was considerably more than one word in the end, but my <laughs> one word answer will be Satanism for that question, yes. Oh, wow. That's, that's you know, it's heavy and uh, it, it leads me to write to my next question. Do you believe that there's some sort of like sigil symbolism tied behind the alphabet organizations? Hey, that's an interesting question, actually. <clears throat> I don't know is the answer. You mean what well, by the alphabet organizations? Do you mean the things like the CIA, FBI, that kind of stuff? Oh. CDC, ADA, HARP, oh, oh, right across the board. 
you know, there's something to these organizations that are either regulatory services or they're yeah. specifically side corps that yeah. have this, you know, they get placed CEOs, very specific timing, they get pulled CEOs, and mm. it's constantly fluctuating. So no one can really get the, mm. the blame pointed at them, which goes into this this kind of nefarious uh, nature that is seemingly fueling this um, yeah. the agenda, if you will. Yeah. Well, interesting that you mentioned the regulatory agencies because yeah, CDC being one example that you mentioned as well. What tends to happen in those bodies is that there's, it's kind of a revolving door policy. So the heads of the CDC and the, the senior officers of the CDC tend to be from the industry that are supposedly regulating <laughs> or supposedly keeping a watch on. So yeah. it's just a complete, it, it, it's a complete, it's completely, uh, anomalous to what it should be you know these these guys are, are coming into these positions and virtually it, it all, all, almost becomes self-defeating because of the fact that um, you know they are actually part of the organizations that they're meant to be regulating uh, but of course i mean there's no surprise there is it because you know all the cards are stacked against us and in their favor aren't they so you know yeah. why would we, why would we be surprised that that is the case i mean i you know I think humans like us that are within the, I don't, you know, it's some like not to get metaphysical on things, but I always tend to, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like reaching some sort of vibrational state within consciousness where we've able to absolutely lift the veil or, or allow the translucence mm -hmm. um, of the fog that's being created through all of these facets, massive, massive facets of, of control that create a fog over the human spirit and the consciousness Definitely. and people that are doing work to stay, um, you know, their, their vision clear, we get it, but it's, it is, it's hard to believe for a lot of these people, especially if they're even conforming to it by, you know, anything, the vaccine, the, the mask mandate and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. it's all the occultic shit is being so, mm so driven in front of our face right now that um it, it's a it's a huge battle that we're that we're going into spiritually absolutely well well i i believe i mean i'm not the only one but i i believe that what we're actually experiencing right now is world war three you think a, so it's, uh, to quote a, a famous uh phrase from the past it's uh uh it's a silent weapon for a quiet war and well and i do believe this is world war three they've, they've wow. gone, gone past now the the point of having to subdue us with with over weapons and uh, you know bombs and tanks and guns and all the rest of us now they're attacking our psyches and attacking mm -hmm. our bodies you know and you know directly not through weapons well they are weapons but not through um you know uh what's the word uh, yeah firearms of any kind um yeah. this is this is a covert war on our psyches i believe and i do believe that it, this is the world war three that was predicted Wow. Well, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, these invisible weapons of psychological warfare, um, biological warfare, biological weapons. Yeah. Um, and then even like we were discussing earlier about, you know, weather modification and, you know, companies like CERN and HARP and DARPA that are basically using seemingly invisible weapons through radiation and, and micromillimeter waves, power and things like that. 
those are exactly yeah yeah no i it's just it's it's fucking mind-blowing it's mind-blowing and i i i'm really glad i i have people like you out here that see it that way because i'm just we're constantly enthralled by these people who are pointing the fingers at at people like us as the issue and the problem yes <sighs> but um you know i whatever um so another question uh warm-up question before we get into the chapters of the book okay. do you think that einstein was controlled opposition i don't know whether he was con- it's a good question and i've given this a lot of thought i don't know whether he was actually controlled opposition or whether he was just of that inclination anyway um i i don't know um i know where he, i know it was a fraud I mean, it was a plagiarist mm-hmm. and a fraud. And, uh, you know, M- E equals MC squared, which is what made him famous, is about as much use as a, <laughs> an inflatable dartboard. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it just, it's just, you know, it's been debunked so many times and by so many serious scientists yeah, that it, yeah. it's just worthless. But of course, they go along with it because it fits their agenda. It suits the agenda. So, you know, they don't want to destroy the tenets of their, ver- their own agenda. Um, so this is why it persists, and of course it gets the full um, media treatment as well as always, you know, to propound their points of view and debunk ours. Um, you know, and of course this is you know leading on to the book. Now, this is absolutely what my book is all about: the mm-hmm. foundation of science, my latest book. Um, you know, and how and why they do this to us. You know, they make all these uh, fake. Claims they, make, they create a false paradigm of science, which just perpetuates their agenda, and that's what it's all about. It's about them keeping power and keeping us subdued. And the, well, the timing of it all, seemingly, and you know, I have a theory I'm working on. I'm trying to pull these threads together. You know, the web of um, of deceit um, against the human psyche and the human spirit. To I don't you know, and that's that's one of the one of the deeper questions that we can ask about suck our energy or, or whatever, what have you. Um, but the timing of, of Einstein coming out with that, the timing of the wars, the timing of the a birth of America, which let me ask you this question. Do you believe that America is a test tube country as I like to call it? A test tube country. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think you could apply that to um, to a lot of countries, actually. You know, there are different things going on in different countries. I mean, for example, look at Australia right now. Oh, you know, God. Australia have one COVID death this year, and they're in full lockdown. Total mm-hmm. and utter full lockdown. Martial uh, law, almost. Yeah, well, they're bringing the troops in now, aren't they? And <laughs> the reason is, I, I, I do podcasts too with Australian guys. And they tell me that um, it's it's almost like what's happening now is like a punishment beating, yeah. Because that, only something like fifteen percent of people have had the vaccine, so this is their way of bringing everybody in line, you know, saying, "No, oh, you've been you've been bad boys, you know, you've got to learn your lessons, you know, we're, you know, you've mm. got to take this vaccine, otherwise, look, this is what happens." You know, they don't use the words obviously, but they, this is the sense of what they're doing. So in that sense, yeah, Australia is a testing ground. Um, I also think Scandinavia is a different testing ground as well. Te- Scandinavia yeah. is, is a testing ground to me um, for psychologically influencing people. I don't know if, if you or the uh, listeners have ever uh, come across the idea that 
Scandinavians are meant to be the happiest people in the world. Well, I don't necessarily know about that specific. Right. Uh, uh, um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say okay, no. Fair yeah. Uh, well, that is the case, and certainly in Europe, we're we're aware that 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 idea is pushed permanently. But people who I know, I mean, I've been to Scandinavia myself. I've been to every country in Scandinavia except Finland. These people are brainwashed. These people are. I know you could argue that the entire population of the world is to a certain extent, <laughs> but these people really do believe that they're the happiest people in the world. But when you actually go there and experience places like Stockholm and Copenhagen, the people are dull. I'm sorry yeah. if there's anyone from Scandinavia listening to this. The people are dull, they're subdued. Compared to uh, we Brits who have a, uh, you know, who have a, quite a gregarious outlook on the world and, and we, we've got a dry sense of humour. But to me, I go to Scandinavia and, and, and it's just dead. The people are almost dead inside. And, I, and, and there is a school of thought that says that these, that this, these nations have been used as a testing ground for some kind of psych, psychological warfare that tells them that they're ha the happiest people in the world when in actual fact that is so far from being the truth. It's just incredible. So, to come back to your original question, um, what is it about the U.S. that you, you know, that prompted you to ask me that question? Well, you know, I, I guess it's less of the U.S. Um, itself as it is an entire, seemingly world um, uh, takeover that's happening. Because the mm -hmm. after the World War II happened is yeah. the implementation of the New World Order full yeah. swing full swing the the um the yeah. fulcrum point right like yeah. i i i'm pretty sure um you know that the new world order was being created during world war one um and then yeah. you know they had the time period in the middle to kind of like it's just been a long 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 drawn out play Mm -hmm. of falsification of, of the history, suppression of history, suppression yes. of information and knowledge, and then the curation of basically getting all the world leaders um, in each country okay with being in power forever. So it's either you're okay with, with your family forever being in power, or we're going to kill you until we find someone to put in your place. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in every country, they're going to be separate but it will be a new world order and i i think that that really started happening um in world war ii and so like they needed world war ii to happen to kind of create this facade to get everyone amped up and and ready so so the fucking agenda afterwards and all of these organizations happening organizations capitalism consumerism going to take over and blanket the entire fucking earth supposedly yeah, yeah the earth yeah. if we're being told yeah. about the truth about what the earth actually is and well, that this uh, is the only yeah. place of existence right um yeah, sure. so yeah there, there's that you know so i guess i i you know what i already know it's a test to a country we are we are being driven through we are being run run through the mud absolutely and um you know i want to uh break down this um uh, I'm not super good uh, at occultic wordplay. Um, I don't know if that's an area of specialty of, of you, for you. Not particularly, no. No, I tend to go for the more concrete stuff rather than the esoteric. But 
I mean, I, I mean, I'm obviously broadly aware of it, but I, it's not a not a special specialty of mine now. Well, you know, the Satan, the satanic, um, you know, the the leaders that be, the the one thing about them is they are into esoteric and occultic information, and um, they are into um, spiritualism. They are into a higher realm of spiritualism. So, I think a part of the plan is to slowly um, suppress all of any occultic or uh, spiritual uh, meaning behind words that everything is this kind of, because that's what people need. Now people need people that will only believe if you have credibility, they'll only believe you if you have stern or uh, stern concrete information and knowledge and facts, which is yeah. great. But the great thing about being alive is the fact that we have a spirit and we have this type of energy and electricity that comes from an ethereal place within the yeah. plasmatic you know, universe. And so, um, it's almost like this. So I want to try, let's do it together since neither of us are good at occultic stuff. I tried to bring some of this shit up before our interview, but the word COVID. Yeah. 19. Okay. There's gotta be some, some symbolism in there. I looked up the, why COVID is named COVID and it's because of a coronavirus disease. So they shortened it. Right. Okay. Well, I are you familiar with the works of Ovid? Yes, I mean I'm 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 aware of him, but not specifically his works. Yeah. Okay, so um, Ovid uh, is best known for his work on metamorphosis, right? Um, and uh, the main ideas behind metamorphosis is the loss of speech, a frequent byproduct of metamorphosis, stands for the loss of identity of and life. In Ovid's poem, to speak and to be alive is to create one's reality. Characters like Orpheus and Ulysses survive and triumph solely because of their powers of rhetoric. Wherein characters are transformed, they can no longer speak, and they're often doomed to death. And so, you know... on a And and they also speak about... He speaks about uh, there being a great flood as well in some of Ovid's work, tying into um, his kind of origin story style. Um, and then I looked up the spiritual meaning of the letter C. Um, and so let's see, what's a good one here? C is pronounced C, S-E-A, whose shape is the half moon representing our subconscious and the mother moon. C also sounds like C, S-E-E, and is facing the right. Therefore, C is psychic ability to see the future. And... I, you know, I this is all a stretch, rather. You know what I mean? Like none of this shit I'm saying is like this yeah, has got to yeah. be it or anything. <laughs> but what do you feel about that? What, what, what do you what do you feel about the word well, itself? Again, it, it's what I said before. Really, I, I, I tend to go. For, you know, my books consist of more sort of concrete stuff rather than absolutely they do. I, yes, I concentrate yes, on you know things like trying to uh, debunk or argue against scientific theories. You know, and most of them are just theories, such as the Big Bang, you know, evolution. Mm. I concentrate on, you know, concrete, hard facts rather than looking. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do know that all that stuff is important and it goes on um, as a layer above all that stuff, you know, because obviously the the people that create all this are, are into all that, as you say, and I do know that. But, you know, you can't be 
a master of every aspect of it, and I just tend to yeah, concentrate yeah. on on the concrete. You know, um, if I if I had time, well, thank, I would thank you for delve that, more into the other stuff. But I've kind of got into the <laughs> niche of you know, like, like my books are called the falsification of history, falsification of science behind the curtain, which is an expose of the banking industry. So it's more, mm-hmm. you know, solid, concrete things rather than actual the actual esoteric stuff that I tend to concentrate on. Although I am broadly aware of it, obviously, but yeah, that, that's where my niche is, really. Well, you know, that's why I love your books is because, you know, I you sent me over a, a, an uh, electric file and I printed it out so I can have the physical copy. Um, yeah. So it's easier for me to show people because what's really great about your work and the concrete evidence that you do bring is yeah. it's so easy to give to the naysayers and I can just pull it out and just be like, well, this is what they, this like specifically what is brought to document from about dark mm-hmm. matter. And then this is what we say, you know, say about this yeah. and. Um, Well, let's just jump right into it, brother. Let's just jump right into it. Um, Chapter one of the falsification of science is titled In the Beginning. And and there you have the Big Bang Theory, Electric Universe, Theory of Relativity, and the Holographic Universe. Do you want to just maybe overlay some of your favorite shit from that? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, my, My theory, if you like... Uh, about that the whole scientific paradigm is that there are three major elements that actually keep us in our place as a, as a species, okay? I believe that we are very powerful spiritual beings, but we are being materialized, kept in this material little box of reality by three specific things, and they are uh, the Big Bang Theory, which actually creates an illusion that uh, we weren't created, that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that it was a, an, an accident of nature. Uh, and then, of course, the theory of evolution, which emphasizes that. So, in effect, the Big Bang Theory is the evolution of the, of the universe, and, and the, uh, the theory of evolution is the evolution of species. Okay, neither of which are plausible in my view. And also, although I don't like to call myself specifically a flat earther, and I know that turns a lot of truthers off for some reason, I don't know why they can't look at it with an open mind, but yeah. I suspect it's the propaganda. But anyway, I'm digressing slightly. Uh, I don't regard myself as a flat earther specifically. I am I call myself a globe earth questioner. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because I think those three elements of the current scientific paradigm just encapsulate everything about what it is that they want us to believe and which is incorrect and those three things taken together turn us into nothing worthless pieces of shit basically Um, you know instead of the powerful as i said spiritual beings that we really are those three things just tell us that we are just a tiny infinitesimal speck in a vast, vast universe, and it's just another control mechanism. And of course, in the in the in the book, I go on to explain, you know, why there are so many problems with those particular theories. You know, and uh, as I said, the globe Earth one is perhaps the most difficult one for people to 
to get the heads around, and I, and I do appreciate that. It took me a long time to get that in, into my head. But once you realize how much propaganda there is going on, I mean, this is why NASA was set up, obviously, uh, to put to, to yeah. uh, propagandizers about space and the fact that it is as they tell us it is, which I don't believe. That's my outlook on, on, in a very small nutshell, on the entirety of, of the fake science that we experience. That's, I mean, it's a great foundation. I think you have to start there. You know, you have to really start there because if you can be open to that, that the, that the, the, <laughs> that the, <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> lots of caffeine this morning, sir. Um, okay. <laughs> if you can, if you can be open to, the the questioning of the beginning and the origins which is a lot of what we get into here with the box saga and you know things like um so okay let me ask you this let's go into this real quick okay so a lot of the work that we are trying to figure out with our human origin discoveries um and we have to uh this is such ancient you know information that a lot of it is being tied with theory um, and it's hard to get concrete evidence from things that are so long ago right like the human origins but what we've kind of come to um, what we can find from older uh, writings is that the earth at one point was sitting straight up and down at a golden age or a golden period as they called it where the equatorial zones were seemingly um you know, some people say the equatorial zones were unexistent uh, and the whole earth was just completely livable and habitable. Uh, you know, the species were bigger. The electromagnetic field was was bigger. There's a lot more energy passing through the earth. Therefore, right. we just kind of like lived like a lot differently. And then mm-hmm. there was a cataclysm that came and put the tilt on the earth, creating the equatorial zone in which we see today. Um, mm-hmm. And that cataclysm would have been why we see um, pyramids only around the equatorial zone now, because they would have been destroyed through the heavy cataclysmic changes that happened in the atmosphere during that okay. time, then trapping people in the North and the South. And, and, and so that kind of brings into like this theory of like, okay, there is a big bang but that big bang. Wasn't this just, the whole universe was created and matter was created out of nothing. The matter was here before. And the big bang was some sort of the, some, yeah. and this is a stretch, you know, we're talking about ancient aliens and astronauts and shit. So, um, yeah. but the big bang in, in my opinion, what I like to call a big bang was a moon, our moon, which is an anomaly on many, many instances was actually put into our gravitational pull, therefore creating a tilt. And then ever since then, and then that's also been described as like a monitoring system of some sorts, you know, that I've like, <laughs> Oh God. It's so good. I, I love, I love that movie. Uh, Jim yeah. Carrey, that man. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like, even like when I got into all of this, this stuff, it was it was questioning that was what really it's how you have to start off. You have to start by questioning the beginning essences of creation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't profess to be the fount of all knowledge by any stretch of the imagination on it all, um, <laughs> but I, I you know that is a, a theory that I came up with. Well, I don't know if it's original, but it's certainly not that I've 
come across before. Um, and, you know, it, it makes sense to me. And, and it, you know, this is why they do it. This is why they, there, there is this three-pronged attack on us, just to keep us, sim- simply to keep us from understanding how much power we have as a species if only we would acknowledge that we are these powerful spiritual beings, or I keep mm-hmm. saying, you know. Um, yeah. So that is a very effective tool in their armory to keep us in our place and to keep us from questioning stuff. Well, you know, that's okay. So, like, just to even give people a small description of w- what our potential powers are, the well, CIA and the FBI was hiring telepaths in the 70s, right? To, to, yeah. um, what is it called when, uh, they, they would triangulate someone's location? Um, oh, um, certain remote term viewing. for that. Remote yeah, remote viewing. viewing. So, yeah. They would have yeah. if the the CIA and the FBI came to terms with the fact that telepathy and remote viewing exist. Mm-hmm. That is a small scale of our potentiality, in my opinion. Exactly. So so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a famous book called uh, "The Men Who Stare at Goats." Are you aware of that one? And it was I you know that. I haven't read the book. It was oh, well, I've seen the movie. Yeah, I was in a movie. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! No. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a misunderstanding. Oh no, no! I just I keep uh, like kind of laughing, and then sounds yeah. like words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a book. Anyway, there was a book called "The Men Who Stare at Goats," and it was about that remote viewing project that the CIA was undertaking. Um, yeah, apparently they were. Part, as part of the project, they were looking at goats many, many, many miles away, thousands of miles away. I have not read it, but I heard about it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That kind of thing, they are, you know, it, it's obvious there. They know that it's there and it is a power that we possess. You know, it's the same with, you know, for example, astral projection, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know whether it's real or not, but. Some people believe it is, and some people uh, allegedly do it. So, you know, I've never experienced it myself or, I, or even spoken to anyone who experienced it themselves. But that's just another example of the power of the human mind, you know, that you know we are led to believe that we're just this material object, you know, that's governed by the five senses that we possess. But how do we know there aren't, you know, 25 senses, you know, but... Absolutely. But science never investigates stuff like that. Science will never mm-hmm. investigate stuff like that because it goes against the agenda. They don't want yeah. us to know. They don't want to know whether that's true or not. I'm not saying it is, but it was just an example. Um, well, science it, isn't science even science. Does, does not investigate anything that puts their agenda at jeopardy. It just debunks it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's fucking crazy. I mean, like, we, you know, we love science the 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 questioning the philosophy the understanding the knowledge the mm. goodness that the yeah. creator the god the universe whatever has has put us here to do we're we're mm. naturally scientists every single one of us naturally absolutely yeah. and yeah. um what they've done is they've basically taken science and they've coupled it into this this beautiful loaf of bread where it's like, this is tasty, right? You like it because this is real science. That other shit, 
no mm. not at all you know not yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. like <laughs> that's yeah. woo woo yeah. um but exactly. uh yeah it's it's uh, astral projection is quite interesting i mean i myself i'm a curator of some special funguses that um help people uh get to those those heightened experiences if they so choose medicinally of course and and mm-hmm. and recreationally you know what have you but i i personally have had um quite a few out of body experiences right and it's um when you get to tap into that realm of your mind so i have this this other working theory um there's three universes that we're aware of that we can go to right now and kind of just consider and ponder you have the cosmic mm-hmm. universe right the cosmic yeah. reality the cosmic universe the bla- the mm-hmm. the vast seemingly never never ending but malleable universe and then yeah. you have our mind and our consciousness yeah. Which yeah. is a, another version of that same exact thing. You close your eyes and it is a never ending, seemingly never ending, malleable universe that we can tap into. And where are the walls between the outer universe, the cosmic universe, and our consciousness? I don't think there is any fucking walls. I think the walls are being built and fabricated by the, by the powers that be. And here's another one. And this one is very concerning, CERN-ing, if you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, fuckers. And DARPA. DARPA and CERN together. Terrible. But uh, the internet, right? The internet is this other universe that's been created. We've basically taken an emulation mm-hmm. of the universe, brought it down here into the physical realm, and this leads me into a next question I really want to get into. We haven't really done many episodes on this, but I want to ask you about your research. Has it brought up anything about the MK Ultra projects, um, or what can you what, what can you brief me on any of the MK Ultra projects? Well, I mean, I can. T- I, I, I have not done specific research on it, but I do touch on it in a lot of my work. Um, it's it's real, you know. There's no there's no question about that. You know, some people say oh, it's just a, yeah, it's just something that someone's made up. You know, it doesn't really happen. And and it, and it is, you know, I think we were told many many years ago by the powers that be or the powers that shouldn't be um, <laughs> that that the project was it, it, yes, it was a project, but it was abandoned many years ago, and it doesn't happen. But mm-hmm. I, I believe it's still going on. Um, Absolutely. And you know, MK for those who are not aware. Uh, stands for mind control, you know, K control being spelled with a K in German. So um, I don't know the, why they use the German bit of it, but maybe Operation Paperclip. Right. Yeah, of course. Operation Paperclip. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a very real project. And, uh, you know, there are so many what are called MK Ultra slaves right now operating, you know, people who have been especially a lot of uh, so-called celebrities, I hate that word, but you know, <laughs> celebrities, movie stars, you know, yeah. pop stars, you name it. A lot of them have their own what are called handlers who look after them. Um, you know, they, they keep them in line, they give them their agenda, what they need to fulfill, and they, you know, they use trigger words to make them behave in certain ways, and that's what it's mm. all about, and it's about using these people to control all of us 
you know, they know that they can't mind control all of us, so they use these people as kind of uh, gods, Incoming. for want of a better word, to to actually influence us, you know, because they know, and that's why this celebrity cult stuff is so uh, predominant in our society, and, and this is why so many people just worship these celebrities, and they know this, and this has been deliberately done, and they use the popularity of those celebrities, who are often part of the MK Ultra project, to control us, like second hand, if you like, you know, through uh, through this third party system, if you like. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's very real, and uh, of course, a lot of the assassinations that get carried out as well are by MK Ultra uh, slaves as well, you know, such as you know the. Uh, the most famous one I can think of was Sirhan Sirhan with uh, Robert Kennedy. Um, oh. He was definitely MK Ultra Control. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it only makes sense that um, you can have this many people in in positions of power. That if they were really free thinking and free individuals, that they would be doing a lot more um, variable things in life. But they're all kind of sticking to the same walls because they probably are in fact on that that mind control game one one of the one of the first thing that pops up into mind uh right now is are you familiar with elon musk yeah yes right right of course well his wife grimes is an artist and she's significantly younger than him she's beautiful and she used to make really cool wholesome music well, I mean, wholesome in the sense of, you know, it was very, very uh, original. And this was years ago, I started listening to her. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago, a few years ago, that Grimes and Elon Musk started getting together. And what I think it was, is I think that she's been under some sort of control spell like that, you know, she and he's Elon Musk is her handler. Um, because dude, the guy is not that attractive. He's got a lot of fucking money, but Grimes seemingly used to be like a really cool, wholesome girl that would make this music. And I think just like Britney Spears or whatever, you know, she was kind of just, she, she actually sold her soul in public in Hollywood. She had like at a, at a party, she like did this thing. And, and that's kind of where I think the floodgates opened up. And then now, ever since the past couple of years, she's been going on TikTok and all these things and, and basically like, oh God, I can't. And I wanted to wait to get into this and maybe we should. I'm just going to say the word. The transhumanist agenda is my I'm fuming, absolutely fuming as an activist, as someone who's trying to make changes in the world. This is one of my biggest goals, brother, is to get everybody aware of the transhumanist agenda, that everything that's happening is for the turning point into the technocratic transhumanist takeover. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And that, in, in fact, is what my next project is. You know, I'm about... Yes. I, <laughs> I'm, Thank uh, you. I, I'm working on it with a, a co-author, my friend out in California, your, your neck of the woods. Um, yes. uh, Shannon, you know, she's my, she's my very good friend and we, we collaborated a little bit on falsification of science as well. If you've read the book, you might have seen her name. She's in, in, in there, the prologue. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, she appears throughout it as well. Cause she, although she wouldn't let me put her down as a co-author, she did contribute a heck of a lot of stuff 
to it uh, if you're listening, Shannon, for which I'm very grateful, as you already know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> getting off the point, we are currently. Um, Thank you, Shannon. Yeah, we're collaborating on a, on a project which is called uh, Welcome to the Masquerade. Um, that's a, this is the title of our our joint book. Oh which wow! Covers the, 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 what's going on right now, but more importantly, where it's going. And where it's going, as you rightly say, is transhumanism. That is the big thing. That is the that is the end goal. This is the end goal. This is the end game. Mm-hmm. Transhumanism. This is what everything is leading up to. You know, the vaccination, the COVID, yeah, fake virus, the vaccinations. Yeah. You know, the restriction of travel and all the rest of it. Everything is all part of a one big jigsaw puzzle, and it's all leading down the transhumanism road because that's what they want. They want to. They want a, a, a world of controlled slaves and not just controlled by mind, but physically controlled. And they will be able to physically control us through transhumanism. We will become part of the Internet of Things. And as yep. such, they will be able to remotely control us. They'll be able to remotely control mm-hmm. our movements. They'll be able to remotely control our thoughts. And, you know, it's I hope you have somewhere scary. safe to go, my man. Sorry? I hope you have somewhere safe to be within the next 10 years. Um, yes, <laughs> I do. Good. And it's not far from you, <laughs> believe it or not. <gasps> yes. Oh, hey, tr- hit me up. We will we'll, we'll band together. I got, I got some real good people out here. Because here's the other opposing side of all of this stuff that can be this deep and darkness that, that is protruding upon us is there's some really, really, really great people out there who are offering all of their skills, their property, their their willingness to accept community. And, you know, these are the types of times, these are the types of people um, that we need to, we need to, we need to have community gatherings and keep them on the down low, you know, word of mouth kind of things. And, and just kind of like getting ready and preparing because that's that's something else they're trying to avoid doing. Like you can't bring up anything on social media. Like there's so many videos I can't send to anybody because they pop up a link that says we're trying to protect you know people and um and the mask and oh, and don't group gatherings. It's everything. It's everything. But I digress because we have not yet made it to chapter two. <laughs> Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, chapter two is really, really good and interesting. And compared to the rest of the chapters, um, you have one topic of chapter two, which is evolution, and the topic is dinosaurs. Oh, correct. Yes, yes, yes. Dinosaurs. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us what's up with your thoughts on dinosaurs. Well, I, I'm a, first of all, let me just say that... Um, uh, I mean, dinosaurs are, are just a, an adjunct to evolution, really. I mean, the the, the, be- the beginning mm-hmm. of chapter two, or the, in the vast bulk of chapter two, is about evolution and, and debunking evolution. Um, but also that you know, it, the chapter concludes with, as you as you rightly say, my view of of dinosaurs now. Dinosaurs, uh, we are told, just literally exploded into being during the Triassic period, only to be wiped out in a single cataclysmic event, which happened allegedly 65 million years ago. I mean, this 
this is puzzling in itself anyway. I mean, surely, surely at least a few would have survived, as did individuals of most other species. But no, it appears that very conveniently, every last dinosaur on Earth was wiped out. Um, so I don't actually believe that dinosaurs even existed at all. It's just a prop for evolution. You know, it's just another hoax, um, you know, that, that, that props up the, the fraudulent theory of evolution. Because it's very, very strange to me that dinosaurs were never even thought of. Nobody ever found a dinosaur fossil. Nobody had even, you know, the, the idea of a dinosaur had never been passed down by cultures who... Um, you know, who, whose histories were verbal rather than written. You know, there's nothing in, in history from more than about 170 years ago, which is exactly the, the time when evolution was being thrust at us, mm, to yeah. even mention dinosaurs. No, you know, there's no, no written records in any of like the ancient Native American, um, you know, teachings, or indeed any other culture throughout the world. And it was first the dinosaur, the, the, the classic classification dinosauria, which means mm-hmm. giant lizard, was first defined by Sir Richard Owen of the Royal Society. And, you know, one of the following chapters in my book, I go on to tell you what the Royal Society is all about. The Royal Society is a heavily Freemasonic institution yeah, that, that is a gatekeeper for what they call real science, but what it, which is actually fake science. And it was they that, that mooted this idea of dinosaurs because, and I believe that was because dinosaurs, I think everyone out there has probably heard of um, the missing link in evolution and, and, mm-hmm. and the constantly searching for the missing the link. The God gene. Well, well, dinosaurs actually uh, facilitate that because they, they give us a, a bridge between uh, sea-based, water-based life, land-based life, you know, how the two you know, sort of one became the other, and then obviously winged creatures as well. So dinosaurs fit right across that spectrum, and I believe they are there to give us the impression, and, and it's kind of, uh, a, a, well, as I say, a prop for the evolutionary theory, which is extremely very, which is very flimsy indeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's even a, uh, I mean, this came as an absolute surprise to me, well, in, in some ways it did, but not in others. Um, that there's a there's a factory in China that specialises in making all the dinosaur bo- bones that you see in all the uh, museums around the world. You make no of it. You know, it's advertised on the internet. You know, the, they they proudly boast of the fact that they supply all the leading museums in the world. You know, such as the Smithsonian, the Natural History History Museum in London, and many many others all get their dinosaur bones from this factory in China. Uh-huh, it's uh-huh. just absolutely crazy, you know. Um, that pe- But it, again, it's all hidden in plain sight, isn't it? You know, and it's revelation of the method in action on a very minor scale. You know, people just cannot see it, and they know this, and they use that to their advantage. So, yeah, dinosaurs. I'm sorry, I'm getting a bit... <laughs> no, go, it. go, all day, all day. It's one of these things that it really grinds my gears, you know, and, and I, I, you know, so, yeah. Uh, well, you I, know, to me, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to, um, 
I'm just going to read out a quote, if I may, from a, a, a oh, book that do. I use as a reference called Dinosaurs, Science or Science Fiction. So if I may, I'll, I'll, I'll read out a quote. And it goes like this. When children go to a dinosaur museum, are the displays they see displays of science or displays of art and science fiction? Are we being deceived and brainwashed at an early age? You see that? I'll just interrupt there. That's, that's a key thing as well. You know, have you noticed how dinosaurs have been pushed to children? When I was a child, yeah. we were aware that dinosaurs were supposed to have existed, but they weren't the commercial, massive worldwide commercial operation that they are today. You know, when you think of all the books, children's stories, computer games, movies, yeah, everything is for child for dinos about dinosaurs seems to be for children, doesn't it? And I think it's to kind of imbue them into this world of dinosaurs at a very early age. Yeah. So, yeah, I've digressed a little bit there. So, <laughs> how we're being deceived and brainwashed at an early age into believing a dinosaur myth? Deep probing questions need to be asked of the entire dinosaur business. There may have been an ongoing effort since the earliest dinosaur discoveries to plant, mix, and match bones of various animals, such as crocodiles, alligators, iguanas, giraffes, elephants, cattle, kangaroos, ostriches, emus, dolphins, whales, rhinoceroses, etc., to construct and create a new man-made concept prehistorical animal called the dinosaur. Where bones from existing animals are not satisfactory for deception purposes, plaster substitutes are manufactured and used. Some material similar or superior to plasticine clay or plaster of Paris will be suitable. And it goes, I won't read it all out, but it goes, on. obvious motivations include trying to prove evolution, trying to disprove or cast doubt on the Christian Bible and the existence of the Christian God, and trying to disprove the young earth theory. The dinosaur concept implies that if God exists, he tinkered with the idea of dinosaurs for a while, then probably discarded or became tired of this creation and went on to create man. The, pre the presented dinosaur historical timeline suggests an imperfect God who came up with the idea of man as an afterthought, thus demoting the biblical idea that God created man in his own image. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not a Christian. I don't agree with the Christian sense or the allusions to Christianity in that sentiment. Mm, but I think the principle remains, and that is that, uh, you know, they were, they've, they've just been cooked up by someone to, to again, to, to perpetuate their own agenda, you know, and it's just fake science. Well, you know, I, I find that all, thank you for that quote, by the way. It's awesome. I'm going to have to uh, delve into that book. Um, I, I, you know, I, I look at history and, um, we've had another guest on that goes into astro theology. Um, and you know, something that was eye opening in that was look, starting to look at these, like these deep histories with symbolism, right? Yeah. So the literal, um, I, I, I think humans, uh, the elites, the occultic, you know, part of, um, spells and magic in general is genetic mutation something to kind of morph things together and so that could be an early onset as to this beginning of you know genetic mutation to create yeah. all of these other animals and create this huge monster basically right the seeming seemingly monster but yeah. also at the same time 
um, to me, I find I can draw some symbolism as to these reptilian style human, right? These that used yeah. to exist on a more broad level, right? That yeah. maybe were wiped out, and or maybe they, because you know they say the reptilians live in the hollow earth, right? Well, mm-hmm. maybe the um, they're telling us that there were there were these these um, you know this other type of um, uh, of of human hominoid bipedal what what have you maybe with during this golden age period um, that basically they are the ones that got wiped out and there's some symbolism there potentially um you know it's 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 that all just came to me so it's kind of hard to make it even make sense but i'm gonna dig into that brother some deep shit (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no no i mean it's it's very interesting actually that that idea and and it's definitely plausible i mean i i mean i never rule anything out you know i you know i will form an opinion based on the facts that I on earth, not, not on, you know, somebody's telling what somebody's telling me not to believe if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and again, I, you know, I always make this point in, in podcasts that I do with other people. And that is that, you know, I'm a truth seeker. I go where the truth takes me. I don't have an agenda. I'm not interested yeah. in, you know, changing anybody's minds. All I'm trying to do is put what I believe to be the truth out there, or, or at least the facts as I see them out there. And that's my only agenda. I don't have an axe to grind in any way, shape, or form. You know, I don't really care whether people believe me or don't believe me or, or hang on my every word or reject every word that I say. That's entirely up to them. All I'm trying to do is is make people aware of what, maybe alternative information there is out there and for them to make their own minds up. So, you know, people accuse me of having some kind of an illicit agenda or implicit agenda, should I say. And that's just not the case. You know, I'm a truth seeker and that's that. That's why I find it very difficult to comprehend when so-called truth seekers uh, immediately reject the idea that the earth isn't the globe you know, without even investigating it. You know, I, I get yeah. it all the time. In fact, I was supposed to be speaking at a conference last month and never actually got there because I was ill. But um, there was a guy who shall remain nameless, but he's a famous British truther who was also speaking at that conference and he refused to attend because I was going to speak about... What? Yeah, because yeah, I was going to speak about... Um, I was going to go and debunk the globe Earth. I was only playing devil's advocate, but you know, somebody who purports to be a truth seeker, it just it just boggles the mind, doesn't it? Well, you're not a truth seeker if you don't have a completely open uh, yeah. openness to conversation. I mean, that's yeah. just how it goes. That one of the greatest things about being <laughs> in this community is that we yeah. can have really deep conversations with anybody yeah. because you know we're not assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask you another question. So you brought up, um, you know, the fact that evolution started becoming uh, prevalent 107 years ago with the discovery of these dinosaur bones. Well, in the realm of Tartaria and mud flood and all of that realm, um, a, a big time period for that was 1850, um, which is about a buck 70 ago. And, um, where a lot of information, a lot of things seem to turn 
around that turn about that time point, right? And you know, it's it's hard to get any factual evidence as to what was going on then because no one's alive from then. Um, we do have some older, you know, humans that have some information from their family, yeah. Yeah. but. I mean, every day that we continue down this this hole, I mean, we're losing those people and we're losing the actual fact. The people that were there, because we were like, damn it, we need someone to tell us that was actually yeah. there. But but what's your yeah. opinion on that, on the, the, the kind of like the 1850 mud flood theory turning point, focal yeah, point just situation? Um, I'm obviously aware of it. I've looked at it. I've watched videos. I've read pieces by various people. And <laughs> it sounds a bit of a cop-out, but I'm really on the fence with it. I, I honestly don't know. The, the problem that you have when you're investigating anything, yeah. and it seems to be getting worse rather than better, the situation, that is, you never know what is disinformation and what is real information. Yeah. And you know, to actually make that, that distinction between the two is so damn difficult. And... I really have not found enough evidence to convince me of that yet. It could be a psyop, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's fucking hard. (laughs) It's it's a nightmare, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, you can only go on your gut feeling, can't you, sometimes? And and it's just, you know, unless you find absolute concrete evidence of something. But to me, that's got a long way to go to convince me. Yet it might just be me being ultra cautious, uh, over um, overzealous about protecting the you know what I believe to be the current paradigm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, the, for sure, there's going to be more. I'm going to spend more time on it for sure. But I, at this point in time, I, uh, I I'm I'm stumped. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Well, you know what from what little research I have done, it seems like okay, okay. Well, this will can tie into a lot of the chapter 3 too with the ancient technology and knowledge um that this Tartarian civilization and I think things like flat earth and Tartaria are more of these blanket statement terms, these blanket terms that can be used yeah. for a wide variety of of actual uh, basis, right? But we we can use them to kind of cover a, a lot of variable areas. And so my opinion on it is 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 it's in the same ballpark of yours. I mean, hey, like I I have such a hard time believing. I was like John Hamer, he's so on point. Is he controlled opposition? I don't even know. You know, <laughs> like who is it? Like who? Who the fuck can I even trust? The more I dig into all of this, the more I dig into the Rosicrucianisms and the just the the symbolism behind everything. I'm like, I can't even. But you, like you said, it's a lot of gut feeling, and my gut feeling tells me that mud flood is not necessarily a physical mud flood, but an erasing of history, um, a a time period, yeah. a time chunk period where it's basically taking out older the older generations so then mm. they can indoctrinate the indoctrinate the younger cultures yeah, yeah, yeah. to bring them up you know and it's like yeah. they have to do it they have to scrape away this so then this can grow scrape and grow scrape and grow till we're just basically mindless zombies yeah. yeah that's 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 a very uh you know pertinent fact and idea and uh, 
I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I have heard this idea before that every human lifetime, the whole of history is virtually rewritten. As people, you know, as an entire, you know, not just a generation of people, but as an entire lifetime of people die off, you know, mm-hmm. that a new paradigm comes yeah. into being. I mean, again, that's all very esoteric and all very up in the air, and I don't know whether it's, it's even possible. But it is an idea that uh, I've run seen with it. Considered and, um, you, I was saying, run with it. You got to, you know, sometimes just because it's a little out there, mm-hmm. it's fun to run with yeah, it because yeah. your imagination. It connects, you know, connects. I feel like consciously, I feel like there's a connection. Like, so um, this is going to be a little out there as well. But in another episode, usually in our intros, we um, outside of the interviews, we'll break down. I have a new segment where I do plant medicine um, and then Dan will do um, some ancient, ancient uh, knowledge stuff. And I did this one on water consciousness right? Water and, and, and scientific studies has been shown to hold shape and memory of something that was in the water and then taken out. So on viewing out of pulling out of that view, looking at the atmosphere, um, containing a bunch of, 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 of different water molecules and all of these other dense things that's floating around in our atmosphere, that seemingly yeah. that there is information there and so our ability to tap into the atmosphere and the um the electromagnetic waves if you will that that we permeate connecting to that i feel Mm -hmm. like that when we go off of creativity and when we really tap into that zone that that we are actually accessing information that's there Mm -hmm. and has existed and that's part of the, the human magic that we speak of, you know, is that and not limiting ourselves because mm-hmm. when you limit yourself, you're actually, and, and, you know, you, but you have to rein it back in, you know, li- go fucking hog wild and go crazy, write it down, experience that. But then be- the, the important part is like you, like you do is come back down and rein it back in. Yeah. You know, coming back to the, to what we can actually conceive as factual. But, yeah. you know, for me, it, it's I feel like one of my missions in life is because I'm a really silly, like eccentric dude um, <laughs> or, you know, and, and like I, I like to scrape away the toxic masculinity around my friends and kind yeah. of be like, hey, guys, like it's OK to be silly and weird because I think that's the basis of life. And then come back go play in the field and then come back and we can sit at the think tank in the council and, and discuss yeah. this, like, you know, like the humans that we are. Absolutely. And, you know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that approach at all. You know, I would, I would highly encourage anyone to do it. Um, you know, it, it, each of us have our own ideas on, you know, uh, where to, where to go with it, where to search for the truth. Um, I do it in this particular way. Other people have different ways of doing it, and, and that's great. You know, if we all did the same thing, I know it's a cliche, but if we all thought <laughs> the same way, all did the same thing, then, you know, that wouldn't be very successful, would it? You know, we need to coordinate our, our efforts, and different people have different approaches, and which is a great thing. Absolutely. Man, I – so, okay, let's, can we go into Chapter 3? Sure. Okay, so chapter three is, I mean, on this show, 
It's definitely one of our favorite topics. Um, ancient technology and knowledge. And man, like the one that really I love, I love a lot from this is the 12,000 year old telephone segment. Uh-huh. 1200 year old telephone, I think it is. Oh, yeah. Sorry, not 12,000. <laughs> the 1200-year-old telephone. <laughs> Can you tell us more about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, this this was, um, you know, I mean, if it's real, and of course there is no absolute proof that it is, but it is an absolute incredible yeah. ancient invention. And... Uh, you know, it really surprised me when I heard about it and read about it. It was, it was, this device was actually found in the ruin, in some ancient ruins in Peru. And it is believed to be a, a communication artifact. I mean, I think telephone is a bit of a, a kind of an optimistic <laughs> view of it. But it is, it is actually known now as the earliest example of telephone technology. And, you know, only one has ever been found. It's not, you know, so who on earth they spoke to with it? I have no idea. But it does appear as though it's kind of a rudimentary speech transmission device. Um, you know, similar to the idea of, you know, the, the tin cans and the string, you know, <laughs> device, which kids used, in my day, kids used to use it, you know, to, uh, to listen to each other and speak at a distance. Uh, but that was obviously an, an, a novelty, but, um, yeah, uh, it's 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 a similar kind of setup to that tin can and string approach, but it's made with goods um, and a length of cord, and uh, they are co- the, the goods are co- coated in resin, and they definitely do act as transmitters and receivers of sound. And around each of the gourd bases is a stretched hide membrane, and there is a 75 foot line connecting the two ends and it's made of cotton cotton twine um but uh, yeah i mean it it absolutely predates the earliest research into telephones from 1833 which was when tests first began with um, with non-electric string devices um but yeah it, it predates that by more than a thousand years and wow. apparently it would be told that it's too fragile to physically test, but they've deduced how the instrument may have worked. Um, but then nobody's got any real idea how it was used, what it was used for. Was it just mm. a toy of some kind? Was it just kind of a, a, a one-off novelty? Or was it real and, and did lots of people use them for some specific purpose that we're not sure of? So, yeah, it's an amazing thing, you know, the fact that it's, uh, it even exists. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny too, because it does seem like, because it's, it's the hide protecting the cotton that the, the, the cannon string method that, which I love doing that as a kid, like we'd be all the way across the other end of the house and be able to use it. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, But it seems like it's, yeah, it's like, it's like, that's what that was derived from, but no one would ever know that or talk about it as to why we were putting strings in cans yeah yeah it makes you wonder why it didn't sort of catch on isn't it uh doesn't it i mean you know how widely was it used did no one else know about it besides the two people who used it for example or (laughs) or was it something that was fairly common but this is the only 
surviving example of it. I mean, the, the, just the ideas themselves are fascinating, but, you know, I guess we'll never know, really. But uh, it's, it is an interesting, uh, interesting artifact, for sure. Well, you know, before we go into more about chapter three, I want to ask you what your um, what your like favorite kind of takeaways from that or writing that was. But before we do that, um, I want to bring this up because it's something I ponder a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Things like that, right? The old phone, the 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 things that indigenous or ancient cultures that had these um, technology, um, you know, and including Nikola's Tesla's, you know, his many many patents and and his understanding of ether physics stuff like yeah. that do you think that the there's been an ongoing battle from a specific group of people to wipe out any and all of the indigenous um and i use the term indigenous sort of as one of those blanket terms meaning anybody that's not basically falling within their army um to wipe out find their technologies so take it understand it keep it as their own and then release it as their own later to us like as if they yeah. invented it. yeah it, that, that's that's a really interesting idea as well and uh i think it's absolutely you know possible that that's the case i, I, I can't think of any specific examples or anything that's actually turned up um you know that, that actually has been proven to be the case but you know, knowing what we know about how these people operate, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, one of the one of the later chapters. I mean, I know we're not getting onto that right now, but I'll just, I'll just mention it because is um, is about um, suppressed technology. Uh, chapter yeah. ten is suppressed technology, and I guess it will come under that umbrella really because I give lots of examples in that chapter of of technology that is in existence but has been suppressed either because it doesn't fit the agenda or because it protects mm-hmm. the yeah, final in- interests of certain, shall we say, elite groups, and they mm-hmm. wouldn't want it to become the, these technologies to become uh, prevalent because it would you know, seriously damage their wealth. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of those as well. So the, the two are kind of connected, yeah. Man, this book is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So good. I see you wearing that uh, falsification of history T-shirt. Yes. Do you sell those on a website? Where can we get those? Uh, no, I don't. I, it's just a one-off. I mean, it's easy enough oh, to nice. order some. I mean, I, I have I have thought of like buying a batch and then selling them when I. I mean, I've just, this weekend I've just got back from uh, Newcastle, which is a city in the northeast of England. I've been up there for a couple of days. I've, I've done three presentations up there. And I, and I wore it for that, and I've still got it on. Um, but yeah, no, this was just a one-off. I've had it, oh god, I've had it ten years. This, um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it will be easy to to have some batches done because you know there's, there's dozens of uh, t-shirt making companies out there now, aren't there? And uh, yeah, maybe I should do that and sell them with my books. You know, sign sign me up, man. Like, hey, if you get those made. I'll I'll shout you out on the show and see if we can't get you a couple sales over here. Brilliant, thank you. Yeah, I, I will do that. Um, but yeah, if you want one, if you want one with history, the history logo and or the science logo, let me know and I'll uh, you know we can talk off air and I'll uh, I'll get you one sent. 
Woo! I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, yeah. So um, real quick before we jump over to the next chapter four, which is also really great, obviously, and they keep getting better towards the, the final um, epilogue of the book. Um, what was your favorite takeaway or, or kind of your most interesting find in the, uh, in the ancient technology and knowledge realm? Uh, good question. Let me think. Uh, now, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the one that really blew my mind was the 300 million year old screw, um, which is basically a, a tiny screw, tiny metal screw, that was found in rock in a rock bed, which is three hundred which has been dated at three hundred million years old, and it quite plainly is a screw. You know, when you see it, there's a picture of it in the book. It's it's definitely a screw because it's got screw threads and it's got an end, uh, and uh, you know, and this somehow became embedded inside a rock, as I say, three hundred million year old uh, rock strata. Uh, Where's this rock at? Um, no, uh, it was in Russia. Oh, yeah. Um, it was in the Kaluga region of Russia in the 1990s, and uh, they did an analysis of it, which of the rock, which revealed that, the, that it was formed between three hundred and three hundred and twenty million years ago. And this team, this Russian research team that discovered it, also claimed that X-rays of the stone shows that an another screw identical to it is present deeper inside it. Uh, but there, I mean, there is a bit of a but here, and this is Russia. They have not allowed foreign experts to examine the object, and nor have they told us what, exactly what the screw is made of. Although it does look like metal from the, from the photograph. But, um, you know, it could be, uh, you know, it, it could be fake. It could be fake information. But knowing what I know now, and, and as we were talking about gut feelings before, my gut feeling is that it's real. Because not only have I heard of this particular artifact being found in, embedded in, you know, rocks that are hundreds of millions of year, years old, you know, I've heard of human skeletons being found in rocks that are, you know, millions of years old as well, which gets covered up. You know, that yeah. idea that we could have been around millions of years ago, it just does not fit the existing paradigm, so they cover it up. So, yeah. you know, who knows at the end of the day? I mean, I can't state def categorically that it is true, but my gut feeling says that it is, yeah. I, I would love that because it seems like the screw itself is such a great, easy mechanism for kind of you know threading things together um mm -hmm. that it would make sense that you know we figured it out like you can use a dowel right uh, obviously mm -hmm. dowels are good it's just a straight piece of something to go in yeah. and cinch it together but the screw is a dowel on steroids it basically yeah. gets it and it cinches it in and it's really really great and um yeah i, I could only imagine that uh that you know, we were, we were, we've been building, we've been master builders for far longer than, than we could ever imagine. I mean, at the mm -hmm. point of our architecture now is trashed mm -hmm. compared to the, the beautiful intentional yeah. architecture that's existed upon us with our ancients. Yeah. 
cultures. And, and it's quite wild. And of course, it brings brings into question the whole of human existence, doesn't it? How long we've been around, where we came from. You know, I certainly don't believe in evolution, as you know. Um, you know, but it, it, it brings that whole, th- you know, we're, where we're put here from outer space, you know, are we, are we extraterrestrials by origin, you know, where, where we're created by an extraterrestrial race? You know, it, it brings all those kinds of questions up, doesn't it? And maybe that's why they don't want us to believe that 320 million year old screws can exist because that gives <laughs> us too much knowledge of our real, real origins. Yeah. Yeah. Seemingly so. It's just every step we take is just. Yeah finding another suppressed piece of information that we have so all of our power of the human power, which, you know, there's another good one, uh, a plant medicine that is exactly that it's plants that have, have you heard of Shilajit? Say again, sorry. Shilajit. Shilajit. No, no. So it's um, found in only six uh, six mountain ranges uh, in the world, and it's plants that have been smashed between mountains and out of the ro- the caves comes a very thick black tar, um, and the black tar contains eighty five plus different minerals, key central minerals, humic and fulvic acid, and it like you know boost men's testosterone levels up. It's like this super super plant medicine. That's right. seemingly hundreds of thousands of years old. Um, right. And it's just like, we don't have any idea what is trapped in the rocks at all. And, you know, that we were talking about earlier about dinosaurs. I wanted to bring up that, um, you know, I, I took in my small stint in college and university, I was going for, um, environmental education and i i took a lot of uh ge- geology classes um physical geology and all these geology and it seems like they were pushing all of these uh you know classic narrative agendas that would lead you astray from having any sort of existential questions at least on the baseline of where you're in at school you know like you because they push evolution they push all these things and uh but we we can only go so far with geology and archaeology. The fact that we can only drill so far into the earth, you know, that we're not allowed to excavate just anywhere and everywhere um, without yeah. permission and, and the shitloads of money uh, mm-hmm. that we don't really know what's there because the second we start digging and we start finding all this really, really amazing stuff from our ancient past, yeah. Blows the top off, and there we go. Keep being suppressed. Correct. Goodness. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's effective, though, isn't it? You've got to give them credit. You know, they absolutely, know what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hats off to your nefarious uh, natures. Um, yeah. Okay. So, chapter four. Uh, chapter. I said I like that. Chapter four. Freemasonry and the Royal Society. Oh. Mm. Yeah, Juicy. I mean, I think every, probably, I guess, everyone out there listening to this is aware of the insidious influence that Freemasonry has upon uh, <laughs> us all, you know, in terms of the agenda being played out right now, too, you know. But yeah, the Royal Society itself, which, as I said earlier, um, is, the, uh, is the gatekeeper for what they believe to be, or what they tell us is the real science. Um, 
and anything that you know, all royal all royal society members are Freemasons, um, and they they control the narrative. You know that no, nothing is allowed to get out into the public domain that doesn't follow their narrative, doesn't follow their agenda, isn't approved by them, and they obviously keep us, as I, as I said earlier, in this little narrow box of reality by uh, promulgating these these various aspects of science, some of which we covered right at the beginning. And it's all done under the auspices of the Royal Society. Uh, yeah, which is, a, which is a British institution, obviously. I mean, I think there are foreign members as well, but it, it's, pri- it's primarily a, a British institution that was founded, well, nobody's quite sure where it, where it was founded. It was either in Oxford or in London, uh, but nobody knows for sure. And it was actually created with the... In- intention of uh, actually promoting scientific inquiry rather Mm -hmm. than the simple unthinking acceptance of received wisdom but it's actually become the opposite it's now a huge propounder of received wisdom you know I mean the irony in that premise is is absolutely (laughs) staggering you know but obviously many facets of the society even now are based on the tenets of Freemasonry and all the founders of Freemasons as well. And a lot of the people who came out with the, the scientific uh, you know, norms that we have today were famous members of the Royal Society, were famous Freemasons. A prime example being Isaac Newton, who discovered gravity, uh, you know, gravity, you know, which is just, in my view, it's just non-existent. Gravity is just a prop for the globe Earth. The globe Earth couldn't exist without the theory of gravity. Uh, but it's just absolute nonsense. You know, up is up and down is down. And it's all about relative density, not some nebulous, inexplicable uh, force that they call gravity and, and, and come out with endless mathematical equations to justify uh, you know, and, and it was Nikola Tesla himself that said that um, Nikola Tesla, sorry, who said that um, you know science has deviated now from the practicalities of science, and it's just become totally theoretical. Everything is done by modelling, and we're seeing that today with mm-hmm. with these predictions about how many COVID deaths we we're going to oh, get. Gosh. It's all about modelling. Nothing is practical anymore, it's and this is blind. exactly what they do. It's so easy to to prove any premise if you're yeah. just using modeling rather than practical experiments and, you know, this is just it's crazy but yeah, yeah the uh, royal society <laughs> is just a it's just a gatekeeper that's so crazy well the rosicrucians also are from uh england too i'm, I'm if i'm not mistaken most of the most prevalent secret societies stem from europe Right, yes. absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and then yeah, England yeah. And, and British uh, are the strongholds of that, in my opinion. I mean, I have to make it over there at some point, brother. I have to, I have to, but they have won't let me get my UK? fucking passport. They won't let me get my passport. They, I'm telling you, hey, I know I'm saying this on the internet, but they, they know that. I'm I'm a powerful motherfucker. Like they're like this guy knows too much shit, but he's just a young stoner. But no, like for some reason they they keep suppressing the fact. Like I, I will I cannot get my passport. I can't get them to comply. I've paid the dues many times. I've done all these things, and I just can't. 
get it. What, they won't help happened? me on the phone or email. They'll, they say, they say that, um, that my name changed because I had a, a name change when I was 12. Um, my mother married a guy and I got my name changed legally. And I'm not saying like it's an actual conspiracy against me. It's just re- they're making it very difficult because I've had three affidavits signed um, at two different times. They sent me three affidavits. Hey, fill these out so that way we can make sure that your name is is changed and you're not faking your identity. And I'm like, all right, here we go. My name has been this legally for the past, you know, 20 years, damn near. And, uh, you know, and so like I, because before 2020, I was like, all right, I need to, I was feeling, I was like, I need to get out. I need to explore the world. I have so many questions. Like I'm just, I, I need to know so many things because America is just very constraining on you know, on, on, on curiosity, like you can, you can read, you can, you can listen, you can do all these things, but it's really hard to even know anything else exists until you experience it physically. Well, I mean, I've been to America many times and, uh, you know, I love the place in many ways. Obviously there's a lot of aspects I don't like about it. And just as much, just as lots of aspects I don't like about Britain. Um, but I mean, I love the American people and I'm not saying that to, uh, you know, just flat here. I do. I love the American people. You know, I've spent a lot of time out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can understand. So I, it is a very insular place. People, these mm-hmm. American people that I've spoken to, they're very unworldly. They don't know anything. And it's not their fault. It's the education system. They're not made aware of that much outside of the good old US yeah. of A, are they? You know, and, and it's, um, you know, uh, I don't know why that should be unless it's to keep them in ignorance of uh, of stuff deliberately. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, so have you never been outside the States then? I have been to Mexico and Canada. Yeah, Can you go there it's pretty standard. Football? Well, I actually had this thing called an enhanced ID uh, because I was oh. living on a bordering state of Washington. And so they mm-hmm. allowed anybody in the bordering states to get an enhanced ID. So I jumped on that when I could. And, um, but I actually, I, I received a DUI, uh, years ago now on a moped in Hawaii and, uh, completely <laughs> forgot that they're very, very strict against Americans coming in with DUIs to Canada. So I went to Montreal side once, uh, French Canada, which I highly recommend if you haven't been over there. I have been to Montreal, uh, yes. Oh, it's beautiful. I love, I love um, I love French food. I love the, 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 the culture is so good. But when I tried to go into Vancouver, nope, they were like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you have a DUI from five years ago. I was like from five years ago, I got pulled over on a moped, an electric scooter that goes 20 miles an hour after having a couple beers and you're not going to let me into your country to spend money and, and fuel your economy. Weird, isn't it? All right. Weird. I'm fucking, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm out of here, I guess. Um, yeah. But, you know, I will do it, whether I have to swim on a boat or, you know, illegally get into a carrier ship, however I need to do it. I will run free and roam across this planet until they lock me up or kill me dead, brother. You feel me? I, I am out there. I'm in it to win it. Good for you. No, for hold, you. nothing hold me back. <laughs> Good for you. Well, thank we you, thank you. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I do apologize. That was my fault. 
<laughs> no, you're great. You're great. I love it. The more tangents, the better. The great thing about the podcast realm is like, you know, we could try to stick to all these topics, but the people really like it when we can like go and, and kind of, you know, yeah, come back. It's, good. it's true and true and raw, wholesome entertainment. Um, yeah. Okay. Chapter five. You ready for no. this one? I think we're both going to have fun. Flat earth, oh, an entire yeah. chapter dedicated to flat earth. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, was, I, I went down the. F- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, no, please. You say what you're going to say. I went down the flat earth rabbit hole um, and I got shamed for it from everybody I know. They were like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like it's it's been construed in such a way that you bring up the, the term at all and you are a fucking lunatic. You are just, oh, you really think it's flat? It's like, no, no, but I'm open to the fact that there could be anything happening in the world, you know? Yeah. But to me, the very fact that people are so vehement about it, you know, about debunking, about saying it's not right, my instincts tell me that I'm going in the right direction when that happens. (laughs) You know? I was told, for example, I was told... (laughs) And it just brought this to mind. This weekend, when I was away doing my uh, doing my presentations, doing my talks in Newcastle, um, somebody came up to me and said, "Oh, nice to meet you, John. Nice to meet you. I've read all your books. Great." Blah 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 blah. Uh, he said, "Did you know that there is a website dedicated to debunking you your work, just your work?" I said, "No, I didn't know that at all." He said, um, yeah, he says, I'll send you the link to it. Uh, so but what he also said, which I was going to come on to say, was that he said, and it, you know, he said, that was the, one of the things that made me think you must be go, doing the right things and saying the right things. <laughs> Somebody's taking all that trouble to say that you are uh, whatever it is they're saying about me, and I've not even been on it yet. Um then you're definitely doing the right things. So I just thought, yeah, and that just kind of links in with what we're just saying then. So, what yeah. what's the name of this website? I don't know. Do you know the name? Send me the link yet. So, oh, what that he needs to hurry up with that because I want that. That sounds. I will. Yeah. I need to go on there. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you as soon as he sends me the link. I will. I will definitely send it to you, my friend. Yeah. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, so the flat Earth paradigm. I mean, I I I'm, I'm at the point now where that was a couple of years ago where I was was getting into it, and it hasn't stopped. It's a, it's complete unfolding paradox that I love. Um, but I think I've come to um, a, a somewhat uh, current realization that it's not flat nor globe, but it is um, a revolving uh, toroidal shape. Something I like. You heard about the yeah, toroidal fields. Yeah. Yeah, the Taurus field. What do you yeah. think about that? What do you think about that? What, that idea that it could be a Taurus field, Shay? Mm-hmm. It's a possibility, yeah. I mean, I've considered every possibility. But I didn't I didn't go down that route of just debunking it as, as being not a globe. I, I tended to go for the flat earth deliberately, you know, and, and, and sorry, to, to actually phrase it from a flat earth point of view because I thought more people will identify with that. Uh, and, and at no point do I actually say that I'm absolutely 100% convinced that it is flat. I kind of try and make the point that it's not a globe. 
Um, but I just use flat earth as something that people could more, more identify with than saying it's, it's Taurus field shape. You know, most people would go, what? What does that mean? Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. know. you know, it, I am really open-minded. I mean, I, I absolutely, I've, I've seen lots of different uh, theories as to what it actually could be. Some of them more plausible than others. You know, I, I think flat is plausible to a certain extent. I'm not convinced, but I think it's plausible. You know, the Taurus field idea is a, the toroidal idea is, a, is, is another one. I've heard theories that say that it is, the Earth is a globe, but it's much, much, much bigger than the tellers. And the bit oh. that we know is only one tiny, you know, one thousandth part of it. And, and all that lies beyond Antarctica. So we're not aware of it. And for some reason, they're trying to stop us from knowing about it. So there's all sorts I do of love that. outlandish theories out there, um, none of which I dismiss out of hand. But to be fair, a lot of them I haven't really uh, gone into any depth with. So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly an interesting concept, the idea that the Earth is, is not a globe. And, uh, you know, again, when you study the work of NASA, that confirms it even more to me. You know, that they, mm. they are so, they push so much propaganda uh, about out there, about, you know, what outer space consists of and constantly reinforcing the message that it's a, it's a globe hanging in outer space, traveling at whatever it is, um, 66,600, which is a very suspicious number, miles per hour around the sun, and then 660,000 miles per hour uh, through the galaxy. And, you know, again, there's so many arguments against this. Um, you know, I barely know where to start. Uh, uh, but I mean, I try and cover as much as I can in the book, but it's not possible to cover every single aspect. Of yeah, absolutely. Constraints. But there's so many, uh, you know, things that, that are against the Earth being a globe that, you know, it, it's, it's quite easy to debunk it, I think, you know. But again, some people out there might be switching off now thinking I'm some kind of a nutcase, but, uh, you know, I'm not part of the thought and I'm used to it. <laughs> My favorite thing in the flat Earth paradigm that I that I can resonate with is um, is the Antarctica um, kind of scheme, and I'm going to try to tie in two 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 things here. Is so I like the um, I definitely don't know how much bigger the Earth is than they're telling us, but there being either some accessible points in Antarctica to the other side of Antarctica that's less like ferocious of a travel um which would yeah. you know like by new schwabenland or new berlin those bases mm -hmm. those nazi bases that were put in antarctica that still are there today uh there and then the consistent kind of blocking and suppressing of the poles and these yeah. these like these you know places of the the north and south pole are so heavily guarded weird, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's what's your opinion on that? Because that's that's a question I, I ask a lot of people just to see what they think. Because there really is no right answer, and that's that's the fun yeah. part of it is it's yeah. completely just um, you know guesswork. But um, what is your what is your feels of the polls? Yeah. Well, like you why? say, you know, there is no definitive answer to it. You know, uh, and I don't have a definitive answer either. But I could tell you the things that I do know. I can tell you that you know, for those who are not aware, 
there's something in existence called the Antarctic Treaty, which disbars anyone from visiting Antarctica. And, and I know people will say, "Oh, yeah, well, I, I know, uh, I know somebody whose cousin went to Antarctica on a on a on a, on a cruise ship." Yes, mm-hmm. there are one or yeah. two places where they allow you to land, but you're not allowed to go inland. You can just go onto the the uh, the land itself, and there's like a souvenir shop there. I know someone has been to. But you're not allowed to go anywhere. You just restrict it to you know, like a few square yards of, of uh, space, and then you get back on your ship. You send your postcard, which gets postmarked Antarctica, <laughs> and then you get back on the ship. But you're not allowed. No one's allowed to visit it. You're not even allowed to fly over it. You're not even allowed to sail around the ice wall. Uh, you know, you, you, there are patrol boats, there are patrol aircraft who are stopping people from traversing Antarctica and I believe it's the same for the Arctic as well uh, you know because to be honest um, quite a lot if, if it was a globe quite a lot of air routes it would be quicker flying over the Antarctic mm. or quicker yeah. flying over the Arctic but no no planes go in that direction at all um, do you think you know, it has to do with I, I electromagnetic anomalies I don't know it's an interesting question isn't it um yeah. No, I can't. I don't have a. I don't have a theory about the magnetic side of it at all. I know, obviously, the you know the magnetic pole. Well, they tell us it exists. Uh, I don't have any specific <laughs> reason to say that it doesn't. But who knows? It's a really strange one. But yeah, the poles are very. You know, if it was a globe and the poles were real. And what would be the harm in, in people flying over it? What would be the harm in people visiting it? You know. And what do they tell us the harm is? What do they tell besides the treacherous landscape or the treacherous um, environment of snow and ice? Is there any well, like I've heard anything people that say, they say? It's because they're protecting the oil reserves in Antarctica. I don't I don't even know whether there are any oil reserves in Antarctica, to be honest. But I've heard that one. Um but There's yeah, oil I mean, everywhere. I, I, I honestly don't believe they do tell us anything, really. Not officially. Yeah. They just say yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, they just say it's it's sorry, it's not allowed. You know, they, they don't uh, they don't feel the necessity to give a kind of a an excuse or a reason for it. It's just not allowed. I don't think there's so many, you know, another thing they've done such a good job at making people, making sure that no one's even interested in the topic. Like no one gives a shit. They're so concerned with their lives their daily lives they got going on. Why would they even care about what the polls have going on? But to me, to us, it's like, oh, shit, they haven't told us anything about it. We can't go there. We can't question it. We can't even, even if we had a few million dollars, even can yeah. start to consider going there. Mm. That, to me, uh, starts to lead into, oh, damn. Oh, damn. Like, mm. that's something mm. big going on. And it's so yeah. hard. And, like, I'm just digging. I'm trying to get resources to anybody who has any of that information because, to yeah. me, it's not boring at all and it's incredibly interesting and i'm like what the fuck is going on at the poles well maybe if the earth is not a globe it's obvious the reasons why they don't want us to go there isn't it but the other the other thing Mm -hmm. is that in the 18th century a famous british explorer called captain cook who discovered australia well obviously aborigines discovered australia but he was the first you know western guy to uh, to discover the landmass which we now know as Australia, 
But apparently he sailed around the ice wall, the Antarctic ice wall, for 62,000 miles and never returned to the same spot. What does that tell you? (laughs) Massive. Yeah, and it also tells you that it's, it's, uh, there's no point me using my hands because nobody can see me, but it also tells you that it's a, um, it's a, it's a disc. It's not a, a I can't describe what I'm trying to say. Flat, it, like a, a line. Yeah, it's like a, a concave disc rather than a convex disc. <laughs> Even that doesn't make sense, I know, but it, um, imagine the Antarctica stuck on the bottom of the globe, right? And you go around Antarctica, around the ice wall in Antarctica. It would be about 15,000 miles. But if Antarctica was as the, the flat earthers tell us, um, the Earth's a disk and Antarctica is all around the edge, which keeps the oceans in, then that would be 60 plus thousand miles. Yeah. But wow. if, you just, if it was just the, if it was just the, um, you know, the, the bottom of the the globe Earth, then it would be about 15,000 miles around Antarctica. And, and, and yeah, and, yeah, and in theory, you'd be able to go from one half to the other half and then go straight up from there to be able mm. to travel to the yeah. exact other half of that globe. Yeah. If it was a globe. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's he followed the, the ice wall all around and it was, uh, um, yeah. Difficult to describe, isn't it, when you've not got the benefit of vision? But yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, who knows? Captain at the end Cook. of the day, it's, it's it's as with everything else. They they obfuscate the truth, they lie to us, they do anything they can to to perpetuate their agenda, to put us off the scent of the truth. It's just you know, just one of many, many, many other things. Yeah, um, and I, I just, I can't do anything but be enthralled. I absolutely, I, I, I love it. I love the Antarctic Wall, and because for me, I, I believe in giants. I believe in Nephilim. I believe in otherworldly, otherworldly dimensional creatures, and I believe in magnetic anomalies as well. I believe in portals. I believe that there are places to jump um and to travel without having to drive a car or fly a plane and um and i think that that's that's all hidden within the flat earth paradigm and that's why they're trying everything in their possibility to make any flat earth questions be shut down and debunked right off the bat right off the bat yeah well let's let's jump into it oh go ahead go ahead no no fine carry on please sorry (laughs) i was gonna say chapter six nasa an outer space. <laughs> this is a big one. I mean, this is huge. Um, you know, this is the biggest chapter in the book by far, uh, because this is a, obviously <laughs> this is a real biggie. You know, well, you asked me a question right at the very beginning. You said, "What do I think about NASA, DARPA, and uh, CERN?" Was it? And uh, yeah, I mean. Let's start off by saying the the acronym NASA is most popularly said to stand for never a straight answer, Uh, (laughs) you know, and it's very true. They're constantly being caught out lying, bending the truth, contradicting themselves, 
generally fudging answers to probing questions that they know that will incriminate them in some way. Uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of months around 10 years ago researching it all. And it didn't take a lot of digging beneath the surface to discover that everything that they've been involved in down the years and decades consists of some kind of subterfuge, you know, and some even utterly mind-boggling deceptions, such as the moon landings, for example, which is a masterstroke of, well, I say a masterstroke. I mean, it's so blooming transparent these days, but um, at the time, it was a masterstroke of, uh, of a psyop. Um, yeah, as I said earlier on, uh, it, you know, the people that you only have to look at the people who, who actually originated NASA, you know, the, the first of its frauds really was hiding its true origins and the, and the cast of characters that had, and still to this day has, all, all the different people, but the, the type of people, what they were talking about, Satanists, they still have huge influence, controlling influence. Uh, and, a, and a, a search for NASA presidents, CEOs, or controllers, or whatever they call them in that organization, will, won't reveal much in the way of useful or truthful information, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the five founders who I've already mentioned, and I'll just remind the listeners if they've forgotten, were Jack Parsons, Satanist, Alistair Crowley, Crowley, Satanist, L. Ron Hubbard, Satanist, uh, uh, Walt Fuck. Disney, Walt Disney, a cult, no. mass mind controller, black magician, Illuminati pedophile, Freemason, and founder of the Ordem de Mole, which is a Satanist organization. And Werner von Braun was the fifth guy, and he was the ex-Nazi director of the German V2 rocket program. Uh, who was recruited so... into the US, as you mentioned before, about um, someone else under op- Operation Paperclip. I mean, to be fair, out of the five of them, he was probably the most normal one of the entire... Sorry, bunch, really. <laughs> that's, that's sad. That right there is sad. It's bad, isn't it, as well? Uh, and, and there's people sucking the, just stroking the fucking fat cock of NASA. Yeah. I, I mean, like, and I hate to be so so crude, you know. Uh, but crude, it's fine. <laughs> it's, this is crude. This is, this is rude. It's deceitful, yeah. and it's deliberate to just dump on us you know that it's basically the it's so so i i can't believe that they're doing this and i can't believe we're letting them get away with this um that the, the, they're such a huge part of the culture now yeah it's not a, just a, an american corporate you know company or corporation now it's it's worldwide and um uh, what, yeah. what what do you know about the 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 uh ESA or the European Space Agency or any other con- country space agencies are they are they equally as deceitful do you think uh, well they're, yeah they're all equally as deceitful in that they pretend that outer space is as they say it is i, I mm-hmm. don't believe that at all i mean I, as a as a non-globe earther uh, i think whatever is out there <laughs> is very 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 different to what they tell us and this is just some fairy tale that we've concocted to keep the uh, uh, the illusion of, of what they want us to believe going. Uh, you know, uh, but I, I mean, I can't I can't put my hand on my heart and say that you know outer space is this or outer space is that. But I definitely don't believe it's as they tell us. You know, you, you only need to see images of the star of stars through telescopes. They're not 
they're not what the colours. I mean, they're, they're weird objects. They're, they almost look like... Um, have you seen those images of stars through telescopes? I mean, I've looked through... I've been at a couple observatories and looked through telescopes and seen things. Like, I, it, when I was looking at Saturn in this observatory in Joshua Tree, California, mm-hmm. it was so clear that it looked like someone had put in a sticker on the other end of the of the telescope. Right. It was a picture perfectly clear of like this this thing I've seen in books of what Saturn was. And I was like, I had to like be like, did you put a sticker on the other end of that telescope? Because <laughs> this is too crystal clear. How am I able to see it this clearly? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's the telescopes. I mean, I mean, there's got to be some symbolism behind the, even the word of telescope. Um, oh, something, you know. But t- so tell me more about the Hubble because I don't actually know much about the Hubble. Do you know? I mean, I don't know much about it myself, to be truthful. Um, you know, uh, it's <laughs> it's weird because the whole thing. Well, I don't understand what purpose it serves. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the images that they get from it uh, are virtually identical. In fact, yeah. possibly even slightly <laughs> inferior to those from you know from Earth-based telescopes. You know, uh, an Earth-based motionless, well, say motionless, they they work totally, it's not motionless, but telescope camera takes 12 minutes to produce an image of the night sky, the entire night sky. So how does the Hubble Space Telescope do that, traveling, as they tell us, at an orbiting speed of Mm -hmm. 7,600 meters per second, which is like, you know... 8,000, 9,000 yards per second. You know, a 12-minute tr- exposure over a, a travel distance of, you know, f- five, five and a half thousand kilometers, 4,000 miles. It doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. You know? Doesn't add up at all. Yeah. And th- apparently there's, a, there's also another telescope called SOFIA, which, which they put on a jumbo jet. You know, why do they need this if you've got the Hubble? I, the whole it's, thing is it's just another ploy, I believe, to sell us this idea of outer space being as they tell us, tell us it is. Because I, I don't think that as a as a real application, I don't think the Hubble telescope is either is not necessary. You know, it's yeah. not it's, it's totally unfeasible. I mean, it's just there to to maintain the illusion. More mindless type of uh, you know something for people just to focus on while the other the other yeah. things are being at play. Here's something interesting too, right? So we we talked about Elon Musk a little earlier, and I'm, I'm assuming that in your new book, which is going to be great, if you don't mind me asking really quick, what's mm-hmm. like the uh, potential ETA on on that book coming out? Uh, yeah, we're hoping to have it ready by the end of this year. Okay. Nice. Well, so, that's gonna be that's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah. We're we're about it's about two thirds written, but obviously the the actual proofreading edit, editing is a huge job because it's going to be a big book. It's going to be the same size as Force Cash of Science. Wow, a big book. <laughs> you know, we, we look, we're talking three three thirty three fifty thousand words, something like that. And just to put that in that's perspective, an average huge. novel is about eight to a hundred thousand words. So you know, you're looking at four times the size of an average novel. So it's a big fucking Jesus, man. <laughs> Jesus. Well, it's like weird thing about that too. Uh, and same with this book. I was going to ask if you're ever just going to do renditions, like kind of like you know, first edition, second edition. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. Like I, I, I tend not to. I kind of. I kind of rather than go back and revisit old ground I, because my knowledge base is expanding all the time. Yeah, you know, what, what's happening in the world is changing all the time. So rather than go back to stuff, I. I did consider doing that with falsification of history because a lot of the stuff in there is a lot better out of date now. But really, I'd rather just plow forwards and, and just say what's past is past. You know, leave that be and let's, mm-hmm. let's concentrate on the new stuff that's becoming apparent and available now, you know. Respect. I, I respect it. that. I, I re- yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not the fucking Bible, right? Where exactly. you can just exactly. keep rewriting it, <laughs> fabricate yeah, yeah. it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do want to ask before we uh, hop over to chapter seven. Um, so... Elon Musk started SpaceX, right? Um, As a solo billionaire to create a space program seems like, okay, the amount, he's not like a willing, like he's not a Freemason, right? Do we know that Elon Musk is part of the Freemasonry? I don't know. He's not a part. I don't think he's like, there's something about this guy. And I'm hoping that you bring him up in your next book because he's a huge push on the transhumanist agenda. He will definitely Um, do that. Uh, He will definitely do that. Yeah. It's so crazy because it seems like the fact that he can create this private organization, private space organization next to these other ones that are, that are ran by governments, Mm -hmm. but he has a private space organization and they're allowing him to just go into space and bring famous people into space, tell people they can live on Mars and yeah. push this transhumanist agenda. To me, it seems like, okay, he's very, 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 very much bled into the um, the path of, of what is coming. And I think that um, they're going to go harvest minerals or uh, special metals and things um and um excavate other planets like mars you know his whole reason to go to mars is not to live there but to extract um precious metals and things like that what what do you think about that well again i mean that kind of contradicts my view of outer space in a way (laughs) oh true true yeah yeah yeah. um so um i honestly don't know uh it's it's hard for me to, to form an opinion because it, it it does really contradict my view of what outer space consists of. I don't necessarily believe in the planets. Uh, I'm not absolutely adamant about it, but I am skeptical about it, shall we say? Yeah. So yeah. that question is kind of redundant in my mind. Uh, you know, apologies. I don't mean to. Uh, oh no, I'm not offended by any means. But you know, I I. I uh, it's uh, I mean, okay. Well, let's let's make an assumption that that what he, what they tell us is real. Okay. Um, then, yeah, I suppose in that sense, it that could be the idea. But I don't believe it's real, so it, it's it's hard for me to answer that one. I'm sorry. So, if they're having people buy these tickets to go to Mars, right? Because they're yeah. currently on sale, right? Yeah. They're getting people in the list. These are obviously going to be controlled, opposed people. They're going to yeah. be MK Ultra people. They're going to be exactly. part of the agenda and the regime. Yeah, um, it won't be you or I. Put it that way. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. And if and if we do, it's because we've did such a good job at infiltrating ourselves that we are now MK Ultra ing mind controlling them, yeah. and we <laughs> yeah. we have 
fulfill the dreams of all of the truth seekers out there. Um, yeah. No, but no, yeah, I, you know, I go back to um, ever since I found out predict, about predictive programming, um, I start to rethink every movie I've ever seen. Yes. Um, you know, growing up, I was born in 91, uh, mm-hmm. which is fully in the indoctrinated state. Like if you are born um, in the, in the eighties uh, onward, you've been born and bred into complete capitalism, complete, complete consumerism, complete yeah. uh, the, the marketing age, like the eighties. If you look at the eighties, mm-hmm. the, the marketing and corporatism that fucking came upon the world at that point, yeah. fully indoctrination, just, this is going to lead into, and I think maybe we should just jump into this. Um, I don't want to jump over chapter seven, but we'll go back to chapter seven real quick. But the health, food, and medicine yeah. chapter of your book, which is also very big and poss- possibly one of the most fueling for my fire uh, of, the, of the, the, the fuckery that's upon us. And so in the 80s and 90s and all this, the, the, the processed foods, the sugar, the yeah. fluoride, the all of this to basically demineralize us because yeah. the humans need minerals in order for our glands to work and our glands and all of our body needs to be cohesive so then it can fuel its, its actual mag- magical power. Um, and then yeah. bombarding us starting from the 70s and 80s starting to bombard us uh, atmospherically with radiation. So outside and within through the food and medicine. Mm-hmm. I don't really know where I was going with that rant, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. like basically the, the seemed seemingly that the, uh, you know, the, the seventies um, was, they were like, okay, we figured it out now. Let's launch the program. Boom. The eighties. And yeah. then yeah, yeah. that's kind of when a lot of the shit started really going downhill in my opinion. Yeah. yeah well, of course, I mean, I'm a lot older than you. I mean, I'm nearly 40 years older than you. So I've lived through all this stuff, you know, so I've, I've seen the, the, the decades, you know, go by. I mean, I was born in 1952. So, uh, you Beautiful. know, uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, I remember, I, I even remember the end of the 1950s, you know, quite rudely. I definitely remember the sixties, all the flower power generation, and all that stuff. And obviously yeah. the seventies, eighties, nineties and all the rest of it, you know, cause I'm a, <laughs> I'm an old git now, basically. And, uh, <laughs> that's wisdom, dude. That but, is wisdom. And I appreciate you so much, sir. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. Each, each, de- as each decade has passed, we've seen a, a kind of a different a- an acceleration, if you will, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the agenda. And, and each, you know, each phase has been carefully planned as always, as they always do. They're very meticulous. And they, um, you know, it's like they never do anything huge in one huge bite. It's always tiny, tiny baby steps. You know, it's the old boiling frog syndrome, isn't it? The, um, you know, the, the heat, the water up one degree at a time. Otherwise, the, the frog will, uh, will, will jump out if you just chucked it into a pan of boiling water. But if you heat the, the water up slowly, one degree by one degree, the frog doesn't notice and eventually it, it cooked before it can escape. Such so, a good analogy, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's that's the way that's the way they work. And and as you say, throughout the decades, we've seen a, an advancement in the agenda. And and it, but it just seems to be accelerating, especially with what's gone on now. Uh, you know, but that that um, 
this this is the, actually the biggest step forward that I think anyone's ever seen, and certainly in our lifetimes anyway, to, to advance their agenda, what's going on now. But up until then, certainly, it's been a very slow, meticulous, methodical process. I can't remember what, what the question was. It asked now, I'm sorry. I know, right? I know. We're, we're, we've been going at it for about two hours now, so it's yeah. just like it's free-for-all at this point. Right. No, it seems like... Um, Due to the uh, the the funneling of where we're going and funneling of society, the the agenda twenty thirty, yeah. um, written by the World Economic Forum, um, or was it Johns Hopkins? I can't remember. No, it was World Economic World Economic Forum that they have only about nine years to reach that goal that they that they wrote out in their their forethought plan in two thousand ten. Mm. So the, it's well, like. Was it 2010? Agenda 21 was formulated in 1992. 2010 was the Rockefeller Lockstep document. Lockstep. Okay, which was part of, yeah. Man, like, there's so much shit, dude. Like, oh, I don't I mean. really know how much further, because we do have two more chapters to go through, but each chapter is so good. I, I can't, it's so fucking hard. Well, I'm trying to keep it you know something uh, somewhat tight but man yeah, we yeah, yeah. Sure. i mean we're over two hours now i mean if you wanted to kind of leave it there and then do another session sometime i'm quite happy to do that you know it's up to you it's your show my friend and uh you know we'll plow on if you like or we'll, we'll, we'll cut, call it a day there well maybe we could jump no i think we, i fuck i really want to i want to want to continue let's jump to chapter nine please um it, the environment this oh, okay. Is something I have been so I just recently went to a festival. Um, I they call it a festival. It's kind of like a conference meets yeah. music meets camping with like-minded people that are about freedom and truth seeking. Sure. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. And if you you were there at one of these events, you would have been a speaker and it would have been I just I, I would love to see you at some of these events. Um, but Matt Landman, are you familiar with his work? No. Um, he made a documentary called Frankenskies. Oh, it's a geoengineering more. documentary. I'll send you over a link. Please, that's $2 to, to rent it. And oh man, it, cause that's another one um, that has been fueling my fire is the climate control, the, the fact that they're absolutely distorting and controlling the weather. Mm. Yeah. Where do we even begin, sir? Where do we even begin? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Uh, well, the, the weather modification program has been going on for a long, long time. Um, uh, I forget the name of the uh, the, guy, the guy in the 50s, uh, American scientist who was arrested by the FBI um, for creating a rain-making machine. Yeah, that was in the 1950s. I've forgotten the guy's name. It was like a German-sounding name, but I think he was American, was it? I think it was in America. Wilhelm Reich. I, oh, Wilhelm Reich. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Yeah, and and he was he was arrested by the FBI, uh, locked away, and uh, threw the key away quite. But he was he was held without trial for a long time, uh, just simply for the crime of inventing a rainmaking machine. You know, whatever became of that. Uh, I don't know, but I suspect they, they they have used it or modified it over the years, and and uh, uh, you know, goodness knows what it's turned into these days. But of course, the main 
weather modification programming, I believe, is through uh, through chemtrails, through geoengineering, which is which is going on massively on a worldwide scale, isn't it? And and goodness knows what that is doing. I know it's you know we believe it's changing the weather, but is it also doing other things as well? And I suspect it is. I think it's I think it's actually changing us. You know, I think the weapon yeah. has been weaponized, and. Uh, I don't know about over over in the States, and uh, my friend Shannon over there doesn't know either because she's quite isolated. She lives in a in a forest in Northern California near the Oregon border, and uh, she lives you know ten miles from the nearest road. She, you know she lives off grid, so she's not that aware of what's going on. But over here, uh, a lot of people have had a very strange illness, and I was one of them last month. I was. I was out of action for three, four weeks, and I, you know, it took me about five weeks to recover altogether. Uh, it was an illness that you could have described as being COVID if I didn't know better, uh, you know. And there's been a lot of that, so I don't know if that's been the case in the states. But, well, I told you my podcast partner; he's yeah. dealing with a sickness right now, and it's yeah. not described as COVID, but he lives in California, right. which is seemingly the mother of geoengineering in these yeah. in the states and he's yeah. he's been he's been very ill and no i think you're right i think i think it's something to go on you know because it's like how can they really spread a sickness easily it would be to put it into the atmosphere and to literally drop it on our heads right yeah exactly yeah that, this is what we are suspecting by we i mean the truth community in my particular part of uh, the uk which is the northeastern part and uh, yeah, it's it's very strange, and also even stranger. And this it might just be coincidence and anomaly or whatever, but none of us, you know, and there are quite a group of us that have had it in the last month or so, know of anyone who is not awake who's had it. Which, as I say, it could be a coincidence. Really? Have we been targeted in some way? Targeted. Yeah, I don't know. That's don't that's know. something else I want. I keep wanting to ask you. You know, you're doing this work, John, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and does it ever concern you no. about your your safety? No, I'm not. I'm not scared of dying. You know. Um, no, fucking a. That's a warrior right there. You hear that, everybody? Mm-hmm. Warrior. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm not scared of death. I mean, because I know that you know that this is just a this is just an illusion what we're experiencing. You know. Um, you know, the, the death is not the end; it's just the beginning. You know, and uh, it, you know, if if my I believe in predestiny in some ways. If if my number is up, my number's up, and I'll just accept it. Uh, I do what I do without fear, because I don't have a fear of death. So if they, you know, if, if someone comes around and assassinates me in my sleep tonight, so be it. You know, I don't want them to. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to die. But if, <laughs> if my number is up, then you know, I say, "Oh, my hands up," and say, "Fair enough. That's it. I accept it." But you know, I've still got things to do, so I'm, I'm not intention of going just yet. So Fucking if anybody a. ever reads a, a report that I've uh, suddenly had an attack of remorse and committed suicide, then you'll know what's happened, and it certainly won't be that. I'll, I'll speak your truth for as long as I can after the facts. You know. Um, and it's, it's, it's exactly that, like that mission that you're on to, 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 to give the truth to the people. Yeah. 
is you know when people are, are are throwing their hands up in the air. Well, you know what? There's, what can I do? I, I must conform. You know, I know everything's twisted and and fucked mm-hmm. up and rather non-benign. But what can I do? Well, you can do exactly this. You can talk. You can speak. You can open your heart and your exactly. mind to everybody. It's and exactly what I does more more or less exactly word for word what I say to people when they say to me. Oh, John, what can I do? I, I can't write books. I can't stand up and speak to hundreds of people. You know, I can't do the research that you do. No, but you can, if you believe in what you believe in, you can stand up there and tell people. Not necessarily on a podium, but just in groups, in small groups. You can talk to your family. You can you can spread the word, and that's all. You know, it's it's unfortunately, it's the old communist creed, which is uh, from each according to their ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, to each according to their needs and you know it's unfortunate that that's communism but it is something I, I do actually agree with not communism but that particular statement uh, you know and, and I'm a firm believer in that everybody can only contribute what they're able to and there's no shame or disgrace in not being able to write books everybody is an individual everybody's got their own attributes their own good points and you know I would urge anybody out there who's listening uh, to, to take that on board and don't be scared of, of, of being thought of as, an, as being an idiot. You know your own truth. You know who you are. You know you know what the truth is. I've been called absolutely every name under the sun you could imagine in the 24 years that I've been doing this. And it's not that. I, I admit it. I, you know, I've ostracized friends, family through it. Um, you know, lost my marriage through it, and it's not a nice place to be. Holy you, shit, man! You realize that there are some things that are more important sometimes than friends and family, and that's and that's the truth. Hmm. The truth has to be. If if we lose the truth, then everybody might as well give up. If the truth goes out the window, and and we're left, all we're left with is a massive lie, a massive deception then friends and family become almost meaningless because, you know, we can't live our lives in, in that kind of a world. It's just not possible. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. I, I And we're being driven towards that even faster day by day in this, 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 this everything that's going on. So yeah. the most, the most important part is just to try to remain and hold true and, and keep your friends close and don't, you know, don't don't allow them to shut themselves off to this. You know, sometimes like part, the hardest part is just being like, is fighting with your friends, but and then getting back to it the next day and being like, you know what, it's fine. Like we're just, it's just, it's going to be a continuous cycle. And but mm-hmm. the but the another important part is just um, you know maintaining your energy. You know, making sure that that you're healthy. Um, so you can stay and stay good and fight the battle. And and congratulations on getting through that sickness because if it was something that they were targeting you with, you know, um, you 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 beat it and you're here now and you're doing yeah. you're doing it now. I've not heard of anyone dying of it, so I suspect it's not deadly. Whatever it is, maybe it's just some kind of a way of putting that out of action for a while. I don't know. Who really knows? We can never. Yeah. But it's, I know I do know that it's all very strange what's been going on. So okay, all right, all right. We digress. We digress. We digress. Uh, environment very toxic, terrible. 
Uh, look up geoengineering if you haven't. Uh, chapter 10, suppressed technology. Here we are, starting off with Nikola Tesla. Yeah. So this chapter is deep. Um, what uh, what's your uh, what's your what's your favorite get goes from this chapter here, sir? Um, I like uh, from this chapter. I like the uh, the water power car. I yeah. think although yes. it's a very sad story, I think it's a very solitary story. It's a very solitary lesson to anyone who thinks that it would be a good idea to bring something for the benefit of mankind rather than the benefit of the vested interests and the powers that be in the world. Uh, so for anybody who's not heard the story of, of the water-powered car, which was invented, uh, uh, you know, I will tell that story now very briefly. You know, it's quite a fairly long story, but it is, um, it, you know, it, it can be shortened quite, quite a lot. So I'll give you, I'll give you the shorter version of it, if you like. It, uh, in the 1990s, um, a guy called Stan Mayers, who was an American guy, um, and also, actually, others in conjunction with, with Stan, you know, he wasn't working with others, but I think, you know, as quite often happens with inventions, other people simultaneously come to the same conclusion or set, you know, have the same idea. But certainly with Stan, he actually, he brought it to fruition. He, uh, he actually, uh, invented a car and patented it, and that patent is still there on the internet, but nobody's ever dared to use it since. This vehicle ran only on normal household water, which you can get from any tap, and uh, he demonstrated a, a prototype, which is capable of 100 miles per hour plus, and 100 <laughs> miles in distance on a single gallon of water. He had been threatened, by you know organizations that stood to lose from it, such as mentioning no names, but its initials are Big Oil, and uh, you know perhaps he was he was probably a braver man than I because I think he faced a far more imminent danger than I you know than I ever will. Um, you know. He, he tried to bring it to the market, and, and Stan and his brother, they were invented by a so-called potential manufacturer to discuss the funding and the bringing of the invention to market. And over dinner one night in a restaurant with these two alleged investors, uh, met, uh, and, and also his brother was there too, Stan, he was suddenly overcome by an incredibly violent pain in his stomach after drinking the water from his glass. And he dashed out into the street in, in panic, where he collapsed and died in extreme agony on the pavement of, of the sidewalk, as you guys call it, we call it pavement. But yeah, after following outside, his brother could only watch on in shock as, as the two perpetrators, shall we say, calmly left the restaurant and just walked past Stan's by now dead body without saying a word or even a backward glance. And, uh, you know, this is what happens to anyone who tries to go against the, the, the big vested interests. And unfortunately, I mean, that in invention is still a valid invention. It's been tested. It works. The technology is real. 
but no one ever dare bring that to market again because of what happened to uh, poor old staff. So, yeah, it's a very sad but very uh, uh, enduring tale. Very Dude, absolutely. I mean, it goes hand in hand with all of the um, generators that have ever been built um, and patented off of ether, sun, water, you know, electromagnetity, magnet, yeah. magnetivity or anything. Those people have gotten murdered. They've yeah. gotten murdered. They've gotten at least attempted to get murdered. Have you yeah. ever seen the Thrive documentaries? No. Thrive documentaries, um, uh, they are really great. I'll, I sent you another link to that other documentary. I'll send you a link to this one as well. But yeah, it just is um, more proof that this exists um, out, yeah. out here. This information exists and they do not and cannot have it get out to the masses. No. There's a certain level of, there's a certain number that, um, that they can get reached. Like you can reach a certain cap and I wonder what the number is because they'll allow certain people to have, you know, this, this seemingly freedom of speech, get their information out until it gets to a certain point where it topples over mm-hmm. and then becomes, um, yeah, dangerous for them. And I don't know what that number is, but I am well, curious. Yeah. I mean, either, but it, uh, I, I think it's probably quite indefinable. I think it's probably, uh, you know, varies you know, depending on topic the and such. The time, you know, I, I don't know, but for sure Stan's, water powered car would have destroyed the oil industry without oh yeah without question which they're trying to do now with the whole climate change hoax yeah right yeah the switching of the petrodollar is going to go to the digital dollar dollar seemingly the, the, the difference is these are other powerful vested interests that are doing that yeah it's not just a, a vulnerable individual like some <laughs> you know yeah, I'm surprised they didn't take him in and bring him underground base and, you know, start doing experiments on him and yeah. uh, dissecting him or whatever. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. So <laughs> uh, the the conclusion uh, in Chapter 10, um, can you can you wrap up your conclusion on the suppressed technology? Because this is such an interesting topic. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean... I'm just, I'm just trying to kind of summarize it very briefly, right? Because you know it, it is quite a, uh, it is quite a deep a and long, heavy. It's a long summary, if you like, to this chapter. But basically, what it, what it's, what I'm trying to say is, and again, I'll try and I'll try and make this as, as succinct as possible. What it is, there's a, there's a, you know, we've touched on this, but there's a hugely heavily protected money monopoly in place. And this money monopoly is, is heavily protected at all costs. And it's solely in the hands of a small number of privately owned banks, institutions, etc. And these institutions are owned by the wealthiest families in the world, you know, the elite bloodlines. Yeah. And that what they want to do is eventually call, control 100% of all the capital resources of the world and thereby control everybody, everyone else's lives through the availability of, or non-availability of goods and services. Therefore, any kind of independent source of wealth, such as a free energy device, like the water-powered car, which is just one example, that becomes within the reach of every person in the world, 
it kind of ruins that plan for their domination of the world and the money supply permanently. Um, you know, so it's 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 essential that they maintain control of all the money generation um, elements that, that are going on today in the world. And any, any technology that has been suppressed has been suppressed for the reason being that um, this would definitely uh, create an issue for them in terms of wealth generation. Uh, that was a bit clunky the way I told all that, but I think, you know, I, I guess you all out there, all your listeners out there, not, hopefully you understood what, what, what I was trying to say. <laughs> you know, but their, their motivations are there, they, what they believe to be their divine right to rule over us all, you know, their sheer greed, insatiable need to control everything except themselves, you know, and uh, they do this through the permanent suppression of any technology that's beneficial to mankind. You know, and, and, and to do that, they, they intimidate, debunk. They, they also use a tactic of buying up inventions and shelving them. And as we've seen in the case of Stan Mayer's murder. Yeah. You know, they use other, other tools like character assassination. Uh, they burn people's laboratories down. They bribe, they coerce, they threaten. They use every single uh, tool in their armory to maintain their status quo. And that about sums it up, I think. Wow. Yeah, yeah, seems about right. It does, I don't know what, what it is behind this monetary pile that they keep accumulating, which is seemingly not even existent, but <laughs> somehow it somehow exists. <clears throat> Um, but there's some sort of ritualistic uh, situation or it keeps the portal flowing mm. of uh, dark energy that's there. Sure. Um, it's just wild. It's absolutely wild. Um, so you, you in, you in the book. Uh, oh no, no, sorry. There's 12 chapters. Damn it. My, my, I'm bad. Oh. I thought, I thought 11, I thought 11 was the last one. Uh, chapter 12 is kind of the wrap up of everything we've been talking about, which I think is a great conclusion to it. Mm. But chapter eleven is quite interesting. It's it's um, and I'm wondering why you threw this in there and why you decided to put this in. But the unexplained human mind. Um, well, yeah, good question. Well, the reason I put that in there was because all this stuff that I mentioned in there, you know, things like um, you know, extrasensory perception, all the different elements to extrasensory ESP, it's called. Um, all the different elements to that, such as clairvoyance, clairaudience, mediumship, psychometry, precognition, remote viewing, retrocognition, etc., etc., and things like astral projection I touch on, automatic writing, which I've experienced myself, you know, in writing my books, uh, and lots of different kind of anomalies, uh, your mental anomalies, things like deja vu. Uh, and there are lots of other dejas as well, you know, deja, deja vecu, deja visite, deja senti, and, and there are all sorts of other different dejas that we experience as a, as a species, uh, because science doesn't cover it. And this is what this book is about, it's about the falsification of science, and it's a kind of a mm -hmm. falsification by omission, if you like, 
so they don't want people to know all this stuff. They just spend, you know, fortune debunking it, you know, telling us that, you know, anybody who experiences an out-of-body uh, experience is, is not only out of the body, but they're out of the mind, out of the tiny minds. So, you know, uh, they won't discuss spirituality, you know, things like reincarnation, life between lives. None of that gets discussed in the mainstream. No, Because it no, doesn't fit a paradigm. And any time any, anyone would try to bring it into the mainstream, they would be destroyed ruthlessly, as with everything else. There is this fixed paradigm in existence, and in science, and not just science, but we're talking about science today, <clears throat> that, you know, you try and move outside of that paradigm, and you shut down in one way or another. So that's why I brought that chapter in, because there are a lot of unexplained things that happen uh, with uh, you know, our own minds uh, and manifest themselves as well. It's not just within the mind. They also manifest themselves outwardly as well, which is all the stuff that I've just mentioned. So that's, that's why it's in there. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, like it is seemingly like this dark side of science that they kind of put into this brick of metaphysicalness or pseudoscience, you know, mm -hmm. they want to call it. Yeah. But it's not. It's some of the deepest science you could ever do. Some of the deepest research and work you could ever do yeah. is to understand consciousness. I mean, if we as a society focused on consciousness um, as opposed to wealth, like in, in our wealth was our, 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 our conscious wealth, then I think we would obviously see this drastic, drastic, uplifted, beautiful, synchronistic cohesion between all humankind and, and yeah. not even humankind, you know, earthly kind. Like yeah, there's, and, and you're there's right. This, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That is exactly what it's all about. Preventing that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and through your health chapter too, you go into all of that as to why it's happening from these outside forces, you know, mm -hmm. because it starts within also without, and then, you know, the environment as well, but something else that's crazy, you know, even like something small, like the word nature, mm -hmm. right? The word nature is a limiting word that limits humans ability to see the cohesion between us and nature. Yeah. So something else I bring up in one of my news topics is we have these systems in our body that respond. So the endocannabinoid system mm -hmm. okay, responds to the phytocannabinoid system in plants. So certain yeah. plants like cannabis, cacao, black pepper, um, these really, really great medicinal plants, seemingly, mm -hmm. they have the phytocannabinoids and our body have the endocannabinoids. Mm -hmm. And so they're literally created together. The cohesion is there. Yeah. And that just goes in. That's just one system um, of, of, of systems that, that, that shows the cohesion. There's many, many more. There's yeah. many more. Yeah. And it's hard to find that information. You have to go on these clinical study trials you have to go and deep all this it's like that doesn't yeah. even make it that should be taught in fucking kindergarten yeah yeah well they don't want us to know all this stuff you see this is you know it's the same old answer really isn't it they don't yeah. want us to yeah. know this stuff and uh you know so they go out of the way to to make sure it's very difficult to find it yeah, that information. <laughs>
Oh, man. No, it really is all the same old answer in the end. Huh? You know, I mean, I think we, we, we've talked about a lot of topics. We've, brought, we've done a lot of, of Yammer in here, which has been absolutely amazing. But it all kind of comes down to the full circle pit of, um, of, the, of, the, of their agenda and our agenda. And, yeah. um, you know, we're, 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 we're following along. We're tagging along. We're tailing along our spineless bodies are actually kind of maybe sloppily being dragged along mm-hmm. their agenda. Um, and, and it's about damn time that we, we make some changes and, and, and construct it into our benefit. Definitely. Definitely. It's long, over, it's long overdue. It is long uh, overdue. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair, you know, this is what we're trying to do, isn't it? By doing such, you know, podcasts as this, by, you know, by me writing my books, you know, by you doing these great podcasts, you know, this is this is our contribution towards that end, and it's all we can do. We, we you know we can't physically fight them. All we can yeah. do is spread information in the way that yeah. we, you know the only way that we know how to do. And and you you do your podcasts, I write my books, and it's, you know, and you guys out there are listening to this who who can't either do podcasts or books. That's no detriment to you, but you you you've got the ability to actually spread the message, you know, uh, by word of mouth. And, and I would urge you to do that. That's the only, I mean, that that's, I mean, you guys, thank you so much because we as podcasters couldn't have the podcast if it wasn't for John, you know, the authors, the people doing that work. And then none of us would have any of it if it wasn't for the people listening and, and um, correlating with our work. Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's that the symbol, that symbiosis between all of us is super important. And, it, but the thing is, is you can do it once and be done but you but then it gets washed away because we live in such a society where everything is so fast-paced and it's just it's just consumerism you know we live in such a fast-paced world we're just eating it all that if it happened you know two years ago it's almost like it didn't happen at all you have to keep going you have to keep swimming and it's tiring but you know like i mean what the fuck else are we here to do you know it's it's work and we have to put in our work and we do our work every day Every day, it can be soul destroying too, as well, because it's not an easy, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy fight. There are people out there who who will do anything in their power to shut us down. I don't necessarily mean physically harm us, but just to, you know, just to deny us platforms to debunk what we're trying to achieve. Um, you know, so that where we are under attack, it is World War Three. Oh, that's a full circle. We brought that out right in the beginning. <laughs> oh man, it's beautiful. Um, so let's let's touch up on this final twelve, the global, the great global reset. And I think this will be a great ending, as it was to your book, as it will be to this show. Yeah. Um, and let's kind of break this down a little bit. Um, we talked about Agenda 21, 2030. We talked about uh, a, a, the, the 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 foundation of the word COVID. But um, let, let's 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 have you just kind of take the reins on this, and we'll see where we go with this chapter twelve, the Great Global Reset. Yeah, I mean, this is a biggie. I mean, this is this is huge. This is how do I <laughs> condense this into a into a five minute soundbite? You know, <laughs> because yeah, I mean, this this is just the, the the chapter twelve, as you say, the Great Global Reset twenty twenty. The the title itself comes from a, a guy. Well, of course, a guy and. I don't think he's human, personally, uh, called Klaus Schwab, 
Oh, uh, God. The biggest psychopath that ever walked this earth, and that's up against some pretty <laughs> stiff competition for that particular honour. Um, uh, but he, he devised that term, I believe, uh, you know, to, because what they're trying to do with with this COVID nonsense is is promulgate Agenda 21, Agenda 2030. And, you know, the, this is this has got several strings to its bow. There's obviously the, you know, the control element of it. You know, we're being locked down. We're being told we can't do this, we can't do this, and it's all contradictory. And, you know, our minds are being fried by all the different anomalies there and, you know, which change from day to day, week to week. It's a psychological attack in that respect, you know, but that's leading if they get their own way, which I firmly believe in the long run, they won't get their own way, by the way. Uh, but if they do get their own way, then what they're trying to achieve is total global control, which will eventually lead to transhumanism, where we won't, we will no longer be conscious beings. We will just be semi machines, you know, kind of biological machines, if you like, under their total control. So that's where it's leading if they get their own way. But it's also about depopulation by stealth through the mandatory vaccines, which Again, if they get their own way, the vaccines will become mandatory. You know, um, they're, going, they're going to bring about a financial crash if they get their own way. It, it's just, uh, this is like their end game. Okay. So if this fails, they're fucked, basically, and you know, we will have won. So we've got to do everything we can in our own powers to make sure that everyone you know knows about this and what's going on. Um, I mean, I, I could spend two hours alone talking about this chapter, but it, I feel that it just contains every single element of what, A, what's going on now, and B, partially what they're going to do if they can. And, uh, you know, I do touch on transhumanism in this chapter. Um, it's just really a, a kind of an overview of, of all the bad things, unfortunately, uh, and I don't like to be a, a, a doom monger. So I don't feel like a doom monger in my own head. Like I just said, I think we will win eventually. But it's just really laying out all the facts of what I believe is really going on. What all what's going on behind everything that's happening in the world today, and where they're trying to take us. And uh, you know, this will lead neatly. This last chapter in this book will lead neatly into the new book by myself and, and Shannon, my co-author, uh, which will be called The uh, uh, Welcome to the Masquerade, which is, is going to be about, uh, again, it's going to be a, a more comprehensive assessment of what's going on. Don't forget, this is just one chapter we're talking about here. But the next book will be a comprehensive assessment of it, but we'll also go, in, go into much more depth about where it's all leading us if they get their own way if they get their own way being the operative term. Um, but again, it's just about informing people, making people aware of what they're letting themselves and their children in for if these people are allowed to uh, allowed to continue with their agenda. And just it's just going to be a warning, uh, you know, for anyone who, who goes along with, with the, the agenda that's playing out right now. So, yeah, it's... it's Rather difficult to encapsulate that last chapter, but um, I hope I uh, could do a semi-reasonable job there. 
You did. No, you did. I, I mean, like you said, I mean, how could you really put that <laughs> that entire chapter, which is possibly the deepest thing in everybody's life and yeah. one of the deepest topics that you can ever talk about yeah. into just a few minutes and words when you bring in so many, you know, um, factual, you know, base fact based things into your book and you reference on them, you know, it's. Yeah. It's uh, what we're doing here on this show is we're talking about it, but we're not reading the book to you guys. Like you guys really should get this book and and read it because I, I'm telling you the way John's writing style is humorous, but it's factual. It's it's stern, but it's it's uh, it's heavy and it's light. It's all these beautiful things, and um, I, I'm you know I'm really excited that that we get along so well and that we're able to talk so smoothly like this because for me um, it's it's no no I thank you and and you're welcome also uh, <laughs> but no it's it's just amazing and I am excited for this new book to come out um, you know let me know if you ever want to do audiobook I will fully read your stuff I'm incredibly you know, I can do the voice. I can do whatever you need to do. <laughs> so, um, you know, if people need it to be read, read, read to them, I will do that. Like whatever we got to do, brother, like this is, That's this is the fight. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's wrap it up, um, yeah. with just letting everybody know when and where they can find you. If you got any sweet events coming up, you want to let people know any live conferences or anything like that. Yeah, no, my my, da- my schedule is fairly clear at the moment. I've just gone through a really busy phase, and uh, and I, as well as being ill, um, but it, that's I'm kind of petering out at the moment now. Um, but certainly, I I do I do I've done loads and loads of podcasts this last eight nine months, and they can all be found on my website, which is uh, the fault. No, it's just called Falsification of History co.uk so that's my website you can also find me on amazon.com if you're in the states amazon.co.uk if you're in the uk and amazon.wherever you are if you're listening in other countries um if you can just key in my name into the search bar in, in amazon uh john hamer you'll find my author page and all my books are on there and you know anyone who's Who's listening in in the UK? Um, you, if you want to contact me directly, and I will send you a signed copy. I mean, I would say that for the rest of the world as well, but the postage would just be ridiculous. So it's yeah, unfortunately <laughs> I can't do that for the rest of the world. But if anybody wants to contact me, uh, they can do so through my website. My contact details are on there, and I will send signed copies of books, obviously in return for money. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So that's about it, really. Uh, I, I don't have any social media accounts. <clears throat> I, I had to give those up because of severe abuse and you know. Trolling. You would just get banned anyway. You wouldn't even be able to. You wouldn't be able to say anything on there anyway. I mean, yeah. y- you really fucking can't these days. Oh, no, no, no! It's got ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah, uh, you know, that's that's about it from me. I think, but. Uh, your website's great everyone check it out falsificationofhistory.co.uk and um we will release this episode as well tagged on with our banking episode that uh you did with dan 
um, should be about four hours of content. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I find it to be incredibly useful for everybody. And I uh, can't wait to have you on again with your new book about my favorite topic, favorite slash detrimental deadly topic. But, you know, it's fucking awesome. And I'm really stoked for you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I mean, the two and three quarter hours have gone just like that. all right man uh until next time rise from the ashes